0: Are your kids renting a movie this weekend? Horror films like these are the most popular choice. Graphic orgies of blood and violence. And they watch 15 murders in an hour and a half. Children mesmerized.
1: I like the yeah,
0: gore. <laughs> but are they harmless? It's always a female victim
2: and is generally in a sexual context.
0: With reports that life may now be imitating art, Bob Brown shows you what the kids are watching. VCR Horrors. Ah. Although edited for television, tonight's thriller contains scenes of suspense and violence which may be unsuitable for young viewers. Friendly discretion is advised. The state of the eye, Japanese animation.
3: Welcome back to the Otaku Host Club podcast. You're here with your girl, Amelia, and uh we've got
0: Dan. I'm here. I have today I have two grilled cheese sandwiches and a plate of sweet potato fries. Nice. It is it is snowing outside. I'm wearing my Hiberne Rinmai shirt. Very on topic. Very. Um yeah. I'm ready to talk about Junji Ito.
3: Nice. I was going to, can we just pretend I'm wearing my Junji Ito shirt? (laughs) Since, you know, nobody can see me.
0: (laughs) I can can see it in my mind. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: This is Jeff here. I am wearing my Junji Ito shirt. And I got green tea. Ah! And I feel nuts because it has a lot of caffeine in it. Ah. It's actually matcha green tea, I should say. Okay. extra caffeine.
0: I ever extra. told you guys about the time I got high on caffeine? <laughs> which is kind of a cool story. <laughs> like stone. Like oh like OD <laughs> like Yeah, well so
2: like I don't
0: So I don't actually drink coffee mm-hmm. or or really anything with that much caffeine in it. Like I I just don't really consume much caffeine. And yeah, you know, I I work. Yeah, you know, I work like a normalized office job for the federal government. And one of my coworkers um on the weekends she works at a little independent coffee place, Zeke's Coffee, right? And so she would bring in coffee related, you know, like paraphernalia and products and shit into the office and dole amount to people as gifts. And one time she gave me a bag of chocolate covered espresso beans. And never, never in my life have I had a chocolate covered espresso bean. I don't even know what this shit is. Uh so I have one and it's actually pretty good. Like I you know, I don't really drink coffee because I don't like the taste, but I thought the little chocolate covered espresso bean was actually pretty tasty. I was like, oh, that was a nice piece of candy. So I ate the whole bag in one go. Oh
2: no! Oh,
0: Cause like I have a weird <laughs> thing. I like can't <laughs> stop eating once something's open. So I eat the whole bag of it oh, all at geez.
2: once.
0: Yeah, and this is at this point know on the train ride home i have an hour train ride home and normally i would just take a nap uh but instead i'm like eyes bursting out like tapping my feet really hard i'm like geeking the fuck out i get home and i just go into a full-on rampage i'm like super angry i'm like running around the house like you know i'm like really wigging the fuck out and this goes on all night it's like one in the morning i'm still feeling fucking furious i'm just like rampaging through the house like i don't i'm not even doing anything really i'm just like running around making noise and like kind of just geeking out about nothing and that's when it hit me by like one in the morning i was like oh my god i'm fucking high on caffeine Like, this is what you, these fucking, like, this is what people do every fucking day. You yeah. know, like, and I'm, I'm like, I just don't have any tolerance for caffeine. Cause I don't, uh, I don't consume it really. So yeah,
3: I'm not sure caffeine makes me rage. Though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: I'm not I,
3: running you know, around the house like. <laughs> well,
1: yeah. that- well, when you crash from caffeine, it can make you, you know, you, you can get, go into mood swings.
3: You can get irritable
1: very yeah. irritable yeah
3: <laughs> but As i think, you I drink think the,
0: iri- cups. the irritability is is like it's part of the dependency right because your system is craving more and it puts you in a yeah. cranky mood
2: yeah yeah i, I didn't I, I
0: didn't i didn't get irritable from the come down i didn't really have any like particular come down kind of effects so i just like went to sleep and eventually and i woke up okay the next day <laughs>
2: Wow.
0: but yeah now now i'm like that. At that time, I was like, "This is what people do."
2: Okay? Like, what the fuck is wrong with
1: everyone? <laughs> oh yeah, you, you. It's incremental, right?
3: Yeah, you, you drink. You're like, oh, this is a nice, delicious drink. Let me have that. And then yeah. you're like, oh, well, I want that again today, huh?
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. I drink about I a mean, cup, a cup and a half a day.
3: There was a point when, well, because like, uh, if you're if you listen to us enough, I used to get Starbucks, and there used to be a point in time. When I would probably drink like 12 to 14 shots of espresso a day because like you're just literally standing around doing nothing and then like you have espresso machines over here. People want to make drinks for you. They want to like create stuff. Then you get into the habit of like, okay, when I come into work, I need I need a quad venti caramacchiato. And then on your 15, you're like, give me an undertow, please. And put some sugar in it. Like you just like get into this routine of like always having that like over caffeinated vibe. And so like on days that I wasn't working at Starbucks, like I needed to have at least like a baseline where I would get cranky.
2: I
0: imagine it's the same way with any kind of, um, kind of express food job like that. Cause when I worked at Coldstone. That was the same with ice cream, I just spent all day long just doing nothing but eating ice cream and I put on weight and shit.
2: Oh, damn, but, it's just, would but shit yeah, my like hands.
0: what else? What else is there to do, really? It's like, okay, I'm gonna figure out the exact perfect ratio between chocolate and strawberry to make the best milkshake, and I'll like try different <laughs> scoop combinations and whatnot. To which I discovered the best one for the record, in my opinion, is three scoops of strawberry and one scoop of dark chocolate, which is stronger than the normal chocolate ice cream mm. and dark. Dark chocolate has small traces of caffeine, right?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yes. In I don't know if forms. the ice cream does. Right. Yeah, and the chocolate does, yeah. So, Evangelion is coming back out on DVD. I forgot to mention that last week. Last week? Two weeks ago? Two whatever. weeks! Yeah. Last episode?
3: I miss you guys. <laughs> 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 I know.
0: I know find you too (laughs) aww yeah G-Kids yeah does this so the question that I had which maybe has an answer floating on the internet and I just don't know it or maybe this is obvious uh they are using the original dubs rather than the new Netflix dubs
3: that sounds like that's a good decision
0: Oh well, I I I, I kind of stated that as a question. As a I haven't stated, I but I I mean it as a question. I don't know. Like it seems like on the one hand, I can understand like the Japanese would...
3: dubs or like the like the
0: English. Local... I'm ta- oh, I'm okay. talking about English dubs because yeah. Netflix did the whole new dub, right? Yeah. They did a whole mm-hmm. new dub for themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So I don't know if that means that Evangelion on DVD at this point falls under the umbrella of a Netflix thing so they use the Netflix dub or if
3: they oh, use the original dub That's that's interesting. That's interesting.
1: Yeah, we could do a little little search. I don't I don't know specifically. You think you think they would just either redub it or reuse the old one.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't use the Netflix the Netflix dub. They changed a lot of implications.
0: Yeah. In
1: mm-hmm.
3: like context, so I feel like it wouldn't be right. <laughs>
0: but, yeah, I agree.
3: But me, but if Netflix has the the license to put it out on DVD, then yeah, I would assume that that's what the the dub that they would use. Yeah, that's interesting.
0: But I don't know. Like Netflix generally doesn't release anything on DVD,
1: right? That is so, true.
3: That is actually yes. true. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes.
3: So then, someone else must have the rights for it to release it.
1: Yeah, because Netflix owns the rights to that dub, or at least the production right. for that. Right. It would make sense that they wouldn't that G Kids would not use that. Yeah. Dub.
3: Would I'm G-Kids okay with that. Then, would G Kids then like redub it, or do you think they would just use the old one?
0: They need to think- use the old one. I don't know what they're gonna do, but what they need to do is just use. It.
3: <laughs> yeah, what they need to yeah. do.
0: I mean, I'm okay with just watching. I mean, I, I
1: do, I do have a soft spot for uh, the original dub from ADV. But actually, I, I watched the Japanese or yeah, in, in Japanese not long ago, because I've mm. I've watched the dub so many times, and I'm what I'm used to but shinji is a lot more tolerable in japanese than he is in english
3: i feel like so is asuka right
0: yes yeah but i i strongly <laughs> prefer the english dub to the japanese version i've i i've never actually watched the japanese i've never watched the entire series in japanese the whole way through because i the american or the english dub in my eyes is is just so iconic and it, it truly captures the feeling of Evangelion. And as you, as you say, like, Oh, all these characters are so much more tolerable in Japanese and they're so much more tolerable in rebuild of Evangelion as well. Um, but I think their intolerability is part of what makes that show what it is, right? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, it is ultimately a show about, you know, broken people and, you know, people with, with issues and with problems, you know, trying to cope. And I think it is a show that is meant to be like, you know, where we're watching these extremely aggravating people, you know, struggle with their um, emotional development, you know, emotional maturity or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it, it it waters it down to try to make these people likable. They're not supposed to be mm-hmm. likable. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Netflix,
1: I gotta give them a little credit, at least because they opened up Ava to a whole new audience that otherwise couldn't watch it because the DVDs were so hard to find. Mm. And there's so many I, I I owned a bootleg version of it and uh for like 35 bucks. Mm. And that is now at a Tinder date house or Tinder. <laughs> d- <laughs> <because first, laughs> It has been lost to this person.
3: It has been lost to Tinder yeah, dating.
0: It's funny that you say that because I, I lost my copy of End of Evangelion at an ex-girlfriend's house, too, in college, hmm. and I wound up having to buy another one. But I, I have the Platinum Edition box set, so I'm all set. Oh. Yeah, which apparently... Oh, I,
3: weird flex, I, but okay.
0: Yeah, well, I bought that in college when it was relatively new, and now this is apparently like a four or $500 item. Some Yikes. and this this kind of makes me feel like if I knew that anime DVDs were gonna get that expensive, I would have if I knew that anime DVDs would get more expensive in the punk records I like would more or less get less expensive as time goes on. Um I would have spent all my money on anime stuff in college instead. Of- <laughs> <laughs> I own
1: I own the first volume of Ava from A D V. It was the first ever DVD I bought. I think I said this oh, in the last great. episode, but yeah, it's kind of a or it was on maybe on Discord.
3: <laughs> y'all are like, you all are like, oh yeah, I own this like expensive DVD, haha. And I'm like, yeah, I bought ball scrolls of Naruto off of eBay. I got an old like replica yeah, kunai in my closet. That's
2: sick. <laughs> that's awesome.
3: I like don't spend money on DVDs. I don't know what it is. I just like can't. A lot of well, I that's like fair. I spend like a bunch of money in college like trying to get a dvd collection and then like my college roommate was like a crazy person and our apartment got um, broken into and my laptop and all of my dvds got stolen
0: right i remember i remember you telling me that along the way yeah, yeah that, that's disheartening and i mean yeah it's it's pretty reasonable to not bounce back from something like that because you kind of like just like... see the the loss and feel like <laughs> i can't yeah, yeah don't want to go to the like... trouble
3: yeah, I didn't even like keep the receipts. So like for like the insurance, they were like, Oh, well, you can't have your money back because you don't have the receipts. And I was like, Dang it. Yeah. What?
0: Yeah, and this is this is really the power of discogs when it comes to records, you know, because I went through this the same kind of thing when my old roommate stole a chunk of my record collection mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I was um you know, had to justify how much these records were worth and thankfully there is this giant online database that has you know real-time tracking of the you know relatively real-time tracking of the prices of all these records kind of any any given record based on you know their own interior marketplace um, so I was able to be like, you know, this is a formal website that really does track the prices of these things, and this is, you know, the median price of each of these records, and you know, mm. it like, logically makes sense that this is, you know, good approximation of what they're all worth. Yeah. yeah, I I feel like we've talked about this before. Like, if only they had something like that for anime stuff as well, right. you know, because I'm convinced I see this stuff on eBay that's cool, like Hajime no Ippo blow up boxing doll or something. And I'm like, yo, I would buy this. Like, you know, like if I had a sense, you know, if it if it was worth five hundred dollars, I would spend five hundred dollars on this. If it's <laughs> worth fifty dollars, I would spend fifty dollars mm. on this. But I don't want it to be worth fifty dollars and I wind up spending five hundred dollars on it because I don't yeah. know what it's fucking worth. Yeah
1: am um, going back to Netflix. I, I just read this news article about the business alliance with another studio, with other studios. I guess they're expanding their partnerships hmm. um, with Science Saru at the ja- Japan Sinks 2020.
2: And, and Isaacan.
1: Isaacan. yeah. And Mappa, um, and Studio Mirror.
3: Mirror.
1: Yeah. So I guess we'll get more... Things from Mappa.
3: That's inter. That's yeah. interesting because Mappa is also working with Crunchyroll with God of High School. Hmm. Like, is that like an exclusive thing? They're like, oh, we're only gonna animate Netflix stuff now, or they're just like always on on it deck could... for Netflix.
1: It could be. I don't know the full. Uh you know, po- like what their
0: policies are or mm. whatever their, their deal is,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but no, I, I don't think it can be an exclusive thing. Cause map is doing the next season of attack on Titan and that's not going to be a Netflix exclusive.
3: Mm.
0: Right.
3: But maybe the contract was after.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, after the fact. Right. I, I, I am very interested in great pretender that is on Netflix.
3: Yeah, I've um I've heard a lot of people saying to not sleep on it, but I be sleeping on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it was it was not on my radar, but if we want to watch it and talk about it on here, I'm happy to do that.
3: I mean, I feel like we should. <laughs> I feel like we always watch and talk about Netflix shows on
0: here. We <laughs> yeah. do. We definitely
1: miss uh, Carolyn Tuesday, but I'm yeah. okay with that.
3: Yeah, I'm okay with that too. We miss Carolyn Tuesday, um, Great Pretender, and one other, I think. And um, drawing a blank. I can't tell <laughs> you right
0: now. But, <laughs> so, while um, we're, so I, I had a, a unrelated question for Amelia while we're talking about new anime. Mm-hmm. Um, I in in our show, so I I had intended to watch Boogie Pop Phantom and talk about that on this show as part of our our theme of Halloween and, mm-hmm. and horror and whatnot. Um, but I didn't get very far into Boogie Pop Phantom just because I didn't uh, manage my time very well this week.
3: Oh, I thought you were like, does um, Boogie Pop
0: sucks? <laughs> no, actually, I, I think it's pretty reasonable. But <laughs> as I was watching it, uh, I I felt like, man, am am I like? I'm really, like, getting uh, right into the middle of a story here, aren't I? And I I double-checked this online, and indeed, the Boogie Pop Phantom anime is more or less, um, in terms of of in-story timeline, uh, it is the sequel to the 2019 anime. Uh, It's the direct sequel to the 2019 anime. And you told me, Amelia, that the 2019 anime is not good.
3: Yeah, and it's not.
0: Why do you say that?
3: Um, Because it's, it, uh, hmm. Okay. Wait, Be- I'm, and sorry, I, I, I'm, I, I'm still hung up on, and the or, the original Boogie Pop is a sequel to the new one?
0: Well, yeah, because all this stuff was light novels to begin with. I mean, they're okay. all adaptations to the light novel. So the, yeah, they just happened to adapt later light novels before they adapted this this earlier one. But the, the, the original one that the two year two thousand one that I'm watching starts off with the big pillar of light that causes a power outage through the city. That's the first scene. Mm-hmm. And apparently that big pillar of light is the climax of the twenty nineteen anime. Oh, so after I mean... after I started watching a couple episodes of this, I was like, you know, maybe maybe I should just put a pause on this and watch the twenty nineteen anime so I have a better sense of who these characters are and what is even happening and then return to this when i have more context for what's going on
3: um okay so uh i did not know that also the 2019 anime uh already lets you know who boogie pop is in like the first episode and mm. just like explain it which like the um the original boogie pop like took the entire series to kind of explain it yeah like, like right it it wasn't as a, as a parent and it was more of like um is it like is it a serial killer is it a god is it like a demon like whatever is it just like hearsay or you know internet stuff but um the 2019 anime like i and to be fair i've only watched like the first episode because i um i it just ex- it j- explains everything so like what's the point of even watching at that point
0: oh okay
3: you you get introduced to boogie pop within like the first 5 minutes and you're like okay Okay, but why? And then also, it's about, it's in school and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm over high school stuff. Like, I don't know.
2: Are you? <laughs> yeah.
0: Because <laughs> it seems to me that a lot of the shows I talk about her, about high school.
3: Yo, Dan, don't call me out, dude. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> <laughs> you both Dan, of you are looking at Dan
1: me. just said what I was thinking.
3: <laughs> yeah i mean i mean like if i'm watching seasonals yes i will watch the high school shows because that's what what is airing but if i were to choose it if i were to choose it no please can it be about college students or like older people or like not even about the fact that it's in high school
0: (laughs) word (laughs) so because
3: i've watched so much high school anime
0: Part of part of what I'm getting from your words is the idea that the original part of the joy of the original Boogie Pop Phantom is the mystery surrounding Boogie Pop and the way that the story builds up to this um, climatic insight.
2: Yeah, and in it's the 2019 this-
0: one, that climatic insight is just the first thing right out the gate that they just hand to you on a silver platter. Yeah. So by watching that, it kind of would reduce the impact of the original Boogie Pop Phantom.
3: Yes, exactly. So I
0: should not watch the 2019.
3: I wouldn't. I wouldn't watch it until you fin- until you watch the first one, just because the okay. style of storytelling is like uh, a lot different um, in the original, where it's like not super linear. It's kind of like uh, it's kind of it's you know it does the lane thing where yes, you're yeah, like I yeah. don't fucking know what's real and what's not and like what people what the linear storyline is, but yes, um, uh, that's kind of like. I don't want to say like part of the fun of it (laughs) because at times it is kind of hard to get through because you're like, okay, like, what did I just watch? I need to like unpack it. You know, it's kind of like the same uh, issues I had with um, Ergo Proxy and uh, Elf and Laid, you know, I'm just like, okay, Mm. but why? Mm. Well, why'd you do that? Right. You know, what, why did we take the longest road to get here? But for Boogie Pop, it's like, I don't know, maybe it's because it was one of the, one of the first anime that is kind of like that, that I've watched, obviously I watched lane and then I've seen Boogie pop and I'm like, okay, I kind of get where they're going with the storyline and I like am used to it. But if you're not used to it, it's definitely like kind of, um, hard to, uh,
0: it's dense.
3: Yeah. It's
0: dense. And, and the, uh, yeah, as I was reading more about it online, they really attribute a lot of thematic depth and, and, um, a lot of, philosophy to this show that it was not immediate apparent to me in the first you know three episodes that I watched. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I can believe it. And I understand it like even just three episodes in, I understand why it has the reputation for being like so confusing and so hard to track because they mm-hmm. really bounce from character to character mm-hmm. and kind of give you, you know, there's a lot of direct Pro or direct names and, and a lot of, of information that they really expect you to, to pick up and, you know, keep in context in your head right mm-hmm. off the bat, you mm-hmm. know, like people are introduced, you know, by their proper name. And then you see them in a completely different context, you know, an episode later. And mm-hmm. you have to remember that, oh, yeah, like that there is that connection and all these things fit together in this mm-hmm. larger scale of activity. It doesn't yeah. follow one particular um, protagonist.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. it's kind of like uh, like Higurashi in that sense.
0: Mm. Yeah,
3: because uh, Higurashi kind of does that—jumps back and forth in time and in different perspectives and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, that's true.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so I'll keep watching this original Boogie Pop, and then I'll loop back around to the 2019.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. that's. What, I mean, I yeah, I think that's. Uh, that's fair. Okay. If you watch the 2019 one and you're like, Amelia, what the fuck were you talking
2: about?
3: <laughs> Let me know and I'll rewatch it. But I okay. was just like, I was, <laughs> I was done with it.
1: <laughs> Word. Um, also in the news, Quibi. You guys heard about Quibi at all? Quibi streaming service. Quibi. No. <laughs> What's Quibi? It was only out for like seven months. Uh, it was like, there's only supposed to be a streaming service for your phone.
3: What kind of streaming? All on your
1: phone. Like Uh, like shorts and movies and things like that.
3: Like a Netflix-y thing?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And I guess it's huge news because it was supposed to be uh, popular, or it was popular, and then COVID happened, and no one is really commuting during this time. I guess they lost a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's relevant because they greenlit Tomie, the live action adaption.
3: I want to talk about those later.
1: Yeah. Um also uh <laughs> Power Rangers. More Power Rangers stuff.
3: Well, where are they at now?
1: A new movie and a TV show.
3: Era. Where what's their theme? Because I've seen the ninja one, I've seen the like uh the beast, the beast like where they're all tigers, they're different like jungle beasts. Yeah.
1: Well, I think <laughs> this is just like a re a complete reboot.
3: of the
0: original
1: power rangers
3: oh okay
0: okay what about did you guys see the little power rangers short where dawson from dawson's creek is the bad guy and he's like got the girl all tied up
2: no
0: it's pretty sick it's on youtube It's a really uh tremendous view of of power rangers Hmm. cool go go
1: power rangers
0: yeah so this it's it's like a a uh, like 5 to 6 minute short film oh starbuck it's got yeah starbuck from battlestar galactica is like <laughs> tied up by Dawson from Dawson's Creek and it's like a gritty adult you know war take on power rangers um it is yeah it was really uh made me feel like I would watch this. You know, like this looks fucking cool. You know? This is a Power Rangers I didn't know it could be. And it was
3: very appealing to me.
0: I want the X-rated
1: Power Rangers. I want that to be like the new reboot.
3: Like gore or sexy? Uh,
1: A little bit of both. Not like ultra. Oh, okay. Like XX, you know, but like, you know, like just the-
3: a triple <laughs> the X. Po- the power triple X
0: Rangers.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Just like one, <laughs> one X, maybe two at the heavy parts. But yeah. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> instead of, instead of, uh, transforming, um, in the air, uh, you get to see their transformation. Like the, uh, magical girls where all their clothes oh, come shit. off and they get naked and then they put their clothes back on. Yeah. You know, I want to
1: see some flying testicles.
3: Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. How right. do you
0: think that fits into Power Rangers? Long Under testicles. what what circumstance mm. would testicles be flying? Well,
1: the, their suits attach directly
3: from the testicles. to their genitalia,
1: <laughs> and they control their,
2: <laughs> their <Cochran>. mechs. Yeah,
3: <laughs> I think you're describing an anime that aired last season.
1: Oh, <laughs> well, Darling and the Franks is close, close. Yeah, so okay. I think Darling and the Franks. Hmm. and uh but more you know
3: yeah you guys should go watch like the first episode of uh uh super h arrows
1: yeah man that's been on my list it's just
3: yeah just watch the first episode that's all you need that's okay. all you need
1: that's all i need <laughs> yeah all right um
3: but yeah that was also um a power rangers type show hmm. i called it super se- uh, my uh my review of that one was uh sexy power rangers
0: Hmm, interesting. So it's Halloween on Friday? Saturday. Saturday. Yes. Saturday. You guys got any Halloween plans? I don't. <laughs> I ain't got nothing.
3: Jeff, you better be hanging out on that goddamn porch. Handing <laughs> out candy yeah. to these children.
1: So the idea was to get a large PVC pipe and <laughs> hang it from the top. <laughs> Deck of our apartment, <laughs> and then just drop the you know drop the candy down. Yeah, that makes sense, to, to kids, and then Steve was like, "Yeah, you should just pour alcohol down And it's tube." <laughs> kids will come up and fill their cups with, with you
0: know with natty bow. <laughs> Hell yeah,
3: natty! I want some natty bow. <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, little Charlie, go get it.
3: It'd be like, hey, yo get me, go get me one, go get me one
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be cool. you're not you're not gonna do that.
3: <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna pass out candy like the normal way, like like in bags on a table. take one, please
0: <laughs> word six feet. yeah,
3: I hang mean up. we decorated, we decorated for Halloween and I feel like if you decorate for Halloween, that means that you are contractually obligated to hang out hand out candy.
1: Yeah. yeah i agree so you already made the effort to go that far so yeah well just
0: go the, you know mm-hmm. go the extra mile mm.
2: Probably do, you guys, it. do you
0: guys actually get trick-or-treaters i don't think we ever got trick-or-treaters at barclay or at 7-eleven <laughs> <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. i can't imagine I mean, uh, uh, uh um, i wasn't here got, last
2: Christmas. yeah oh, we man. got
3: like um we got like a handful i got oh actually Perfect story for Halloween. So, um, I was, I didn't realize that in the cities, like Halloween trick-or-treating is early. It's like before dark, obviously because of, you know, things. Um, so I was getting Mm -hmm. ready for Halloween and the people were probably trying to, uh, get candy but I didn't realize that it was like that early so I like went out after I was done and I was like oh like trick-or-treaters are here let me get my candy out like whatever whatever and then um I just see a lot of like kids with their backpacks on like coming home from school I guess but like some of them are dressed up and some of them aren't and this one group I was wearing I was wearing a Naruto shirt I have like this Orochimaru shirt that says like bloodthirsty serpent and I had like crazy face makeup on because like I don't know. I was into I was into doing special effects makeup or whatever, and um, these kids come from high school in their Kotsky robes, being Naruto characters. Oh
2: shit! And it was
3: like the best yeah. moment. Everyone's like, "Oh my god, I love your shirt!" And I'm like, "Oh my god, I love Naruto."
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome.
3: <laughs> but yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, in Patterson Park, that's that's huge over there. The uh, the guys the pumpkin fest, or whatever we call it, the land. The Land- Lantern Festival or something. For that oh. effect. And there's tons of kids
0: out in that area. But I don't know. What about you, Dan? You got, got Halloween plans? No, I, I normally have band practice on Saturday nights. So I'm assuming that's what I'm going to do. Mm. So I would say no. I have no Halloween plans. Oh,
3: man. What Mm-mm-mm. are you going to do to get in the spirit? Watch a movie?
0: Yeah, I might watch a movie. You you could
3: buy your own bag of Halloween candy and eat it while you're watching a Halloween movie.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I might do that.
3: We carved pumpkins yesterday.
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah. What'd What'd you guys carve?
3: Um, I carved a spider and a spooky face.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah, I
1: I I drew out the mask that I'm gonna use for the pumpkin. Oh yeah. I didn't get very
0: far. We we put a Halloween pumpkin on the stoop at Barclay House once. It got smashed in about a day.
3: <laughs> I was actually last year we did. We also did pumpkin carving, and I think that was the first time I had done it since I was little. But I was actually like afraid that someone was going to take my pumpkin and smash it because, like, i not know in the city they do miss. Do they do mischief yeah. night? <laughs> like,
1: I mean, we have four huge pumpkins outside.
3: Yeah, and that's We're all really I could asked- think about. <laughs> We're really asking for it this year. We are.
1: We we went out and picked them. We went to the Larryland farm. Oh, how fun! Mm-hmm.
3: That's cool. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, Dan. I always forget that you're not on social media. I'll have to text you pictures.
0: Oh yeah, please. I want to see them. Yeah. It was a whole. It was a whole day.
3: It was a day.
0: <laughs>
1: picked apples. Mm-hmm. And tasty.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there was there was probably like a hundred people there.
3: That yeah, area uh, social
1: distancing, but
3: I was saying that this is probably the most people I've seen since COVID at pumpkin picking.
0: Were there any animals?
3: Llamas.
0: Oh, I and like goats.
3: llamas. And they go through fighting, eats. but I think they were—they were, oh, they were like,
0: fighting. Oh, yeah. that's kind of—that's kind of dis- disturbing to me.
3: Well, I think they were like putting <laughs> on a show. They're like, "Ooh, people in their cameras. They let's fight for them, you know." And they were just like, oh, they play fighting. Word. And the llama was being very, like, in the background, like, meh.
0: Yeah, sounds about right. They're really anxious <laughs> animals, right?
3: Yeah. There's a, actually, there's a llama in my dad's neighborhood that I visit a lot. Um
0: Oh, that's cool.
3: He was a sassy boy. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: It, it surprises me that people go all the way there. And they dress up in their, like, autumn yeah. You know, oh, yeah. they It's fall couples. Fit. They're folklore. Yeah.
3: People and were like dressed to the nines, though. Like, I dressed up because oh, yeah. it was the first time I'd been out in the house in like three weeks. But, like, people are like, they've got like their Prada, their Gucci. <laughs> like,
0: no mm-hmm. shit. Really? Yeah. they oh, yeah. Like,
3: their people were dressed up for this to Damn. take their pictures in the Apple. Damn. Thing. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. It was kind of weird. Kind of weird.
0: I want to, I want to, well, the one modern fashion thing I really want are a pair of Yeezys. Oh. I've been meaning to get a pair, a good pair of Yeezys. I
2: want
3: a pair of Yeezys too, but then when I see people wearing them, I'm like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay, whatever. You, okay, you got that Yeezy money. Okay, whatever.
0: <laughs> well, I feel like, I feel like I'm timing this until I like go on a nice vacation or like go travel somewhere where like, I will want to look good for people that I yeah. rarely see mm-hmm. and then I'm like I'm going to get the fucking diplomat's tracksuit. I'm going to look of easy. I'm going to like look fucking cool going to go <laughs> hang out there. But in these corona times, I ain't going to hang out anywhere, so like there's no point yeah. in buying this stuff. Yeah. Who am I trying to impress? There's nobody here. I live alone. I saw some Nike. It was th- I
1: think it was Nike who put out these shoes, but it's a Dragon Ball Z brand inspired brand i think it was nike hmm. and they're all different color-coded if you had a frieza goku
3: i saw oh, those and...
1: You see all those right yeah was it nike
3: i think it was um i i do believe it could have been nike but don't quote me on that could have been nike I, it definitely wasn't adidas
0: and what evangelion
2: yeah
0: yeah i would i would wear evangelion shoes but I, I wouldn't wear dragon ball z shoes i feel like i'm not a big enough fan Ava Yeezys.
3: Ava, uh, yeah, okay. Yeezys. 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 No, that sounds like a.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: you got the Yeezys. You got the <laughs> 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 Yeezys. Yeah, and what unit you got?
3: Yeeze Angelion. Yeeze
0: Angelion. He's Oof. yeah there's a good there's a good meme there's a good uh Evangelion meme actually ah oh, fuck i'll pull it. how do we how are, are we sharing thing are we sharing images on the discord as yeah the just post thing? it in meme town okay all right give me a second i'm gonna to try to figure this out
3: and uh while you're doing that um uh, let's just say uh, thanks to the new Discord members, um, Shigite and Weeb Mama. Thanks for joining. Y'all came out uh, to my stream the other night. Thank you so much. Um, oh, yeah, guys, I'm also, like, live streaming every Tuesday and Thursday. So if y'all want to pop in, um, it is Twitch twitch.tv slash soda, but with the um, zeros for O's instead because somebody else already had my name, so... Yeah, you can pop in. I'm doing a uh, like live drawing and stuff. And they came out to that, and I told them to join the Discord. So thank you guys for joining.
0: Okay, I, I believe I have just posted this to the meme Town part of our Discord. Oh,
3: my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Y'all have got to go to the Discord and look at this meme, because it's good. It's a good one.
0: <laughs> that that's a version of Evangelion that I would watch.
3: Yeah. So I
0: and I so one one part of Evangelion <laughs> that I've been thinking about is is that interview. There's like a recent interview with Hideaki Ano, and when I say recent, I mean within the last two to three years. Um, but he he talks about how. He is very much influenced by Gundam and he wishes that Evangelion would become a Gundam like franchise where there's just tons of alternate timelines and every director has their own take on Evangelion. And I don't want to, you know, trounce dude's idea. I mean, it's his art. So, you know, have your vision, but also that's a terrible <laughs> idea. And I hope that never fucking happens. <laughs> I can't imagine a worse way for Evangelion to go than to have, like, a ton of different Evangelion, like, you know, alternate universes with different versions of Evangelion. Like, no, yeah, I don't no. think so, man. I this, agree. It is too fucking iconic on its own terms to have, yeah, like, oh, this is like the, you know, this is the dark Evangelion, and this is the funny Evangelion, and <laughs> this is the romantic Evangelion, yeah. <laughs> That's, it that's needs to
1: the end with these movies. Yeah. This should be it. This should be it. Yes,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I agree. Mm-hmm. But uh, Kanye as uh, all the characters of <laughs> Ava.
3: <laughs> Yo, that would be one <laughs> fucked up show.
0: <laughs> He's a man of many personalities. He, he could do is. it for sure.
3: He is. <laughs> so, guys, you want to? You want to talk about some
0: horror? Yeah. So. <coughs> oh excuse me <coughs> oh, sorry
3: Jeff you can edit that
1: out <laughs> his hair starts coming out of his mouth
3: <laughs> actually it's turn, it, it turns into it turns into some kind of thing from Junji uh, Ito Mario. Yeah. <laughs> so I want to know what your, your guys' favorite horror animes are I'm that good with the classic
1: yeah, I, I mean...
3: You can name three, because I can't pick one.
1: Yikes. So, the original Wait, Vampire D. Hunter D. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you said, yikes, I don't think I have three.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and as you, as you mentioned Vampire Hunter D, like, I would not think of Vampire Hunter D as a, as a horror thing, so maybe my idea of horror is just too narrow.
3: Well, actually, That's the on Mal, it is under the horror genre. Oh
2: well (laughs) um
3: i mean this this is kind of why i wanted to um pose the question because um there are a lot of things that i feel like are deemed horror that i don't specifically feel like are actual horror anime you know because there's there's like parasite you know technically um like uh berserk or um Mm. i don't know like i guess more recently like the Promised Neverland or Doro, Doro like those are all like considered like horror, but to me they're not. They're not specifically horror. They're more like supernatural and like maybe gory, but like um, or like dealing with like uh, supernatural elements. Um, so I think it's interesting uh, to talk to talk about like horror anime.
1: What's the def- well? Let's define it then. Let's define what horror is. You know.
0: Yeah, and I I. It's shocking to me that somebody would think that Berserk or Dorohedoro would <laughs> qualify as, as horror anime. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what someone's justification for that would be, because Doro doesn't make any sense to me at all. As there's nothing about it that's horrific. Berserk certainly has its moments of, of horror, you know, thinking more strictly of the original one, because... Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to talk about the new ones, of course, but Mm -hmm. the original one ends on a pretty horrific note, right? Mm -hmm. But I I don't think the the main thematic purpose in Point of Berserk is not to horrify you. It just, the horror is just part, you know, it's a natural part of the story. It's a part of the plot. Mm -hmm. If it's horrifying, it's because they're doing a good job of executing the story as they've mapped it out. But Mm -hmm. it's not, it's not a horror story. It's not meant to horrify you. It is meant to tell, you extremely deep and, and, um, dense, you know, emotionally nuanced story of these three characters and their, you know, love triangle and their hopes and dreams and their sense of humanity and whatnot. That's not really like a horror type of topic. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, as as a definition, it's just an intense feeling of fear, shock, or disgust, right? Mm-hmm. That's the base definition, or uh, you know, it also says a thing causing a feeling of fear, shock, or disgust, um, which is the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but as a genre, like you think of Alfred Hitch, Alfred Hitchcock, right? Yeah, and that's considered horror, but it's yeah. not violent. I don't, it's not body horror. I don't feel either. like that
3: one is like intently scary to me.
1: Well, like it doesn't have to be scary, from, though.
3: Fear. I don't get fear from it. I'm not like <gasps> oh my but it's god.
1: Sh- but it's shocking, right? You know. I guess. It, and especially for the day. And I think mm-hmm. because we've been desensitized to a lot of horror. I exactly. think that is exactly. actually
3: my issue is I have yeah. been mm-hmm. completely desensitized because of how much horror I watch.
0: Yeah, because I, I, I mean Alfred. Hitch- I'm a big Alfred Hitchcock fan, and I, I grew up watching those movies. And the per like the purpose of movies like Psycho and like Birds is to uh, shock you and horrify you. Like that is their goal is to make you unsettled. So I would say yes, those are definitely horror movies. If they don't hit home at this point, it's I think that has more to do with the you know kind of large scale. Um, desensitization and, and pushing of culture forward in the last like 40 years or whatever um, that these mm-hmm. movies have existed but mm-hmm. yeah those are definitely horror movies for me the horror movie that fucked me up was that movie audition
2: oh, I have that that,
0: that really sticks out to me i remember watching that in high school high school yeah. i might have been in college um, but i watched it at my grandparents house over the summer And, dude, that shit scared me so much. I had to sleep with the lights on. I was, like, absolutely fucking terrified by this movie.
3: Um, Mine was 13 Ghosts. Mm. That shit fucked me up. Uh, The Bone Collector. That shit fucked me up. Oh, that's cool. I remember, like, screaming in the middle of the night after (laughs) watching that.
0: And I think
1: because we're is it's not it's not specific to one culture too right so call so horror in in america or western culture it might be different from or is different than Amer- an than asian you know asian horror mm-hmm. what what they might consider to be scary
2: mm-hmm.
1: and i think mm-hmm. that's why when i watch remember the big the big horror boom in japan in the 2000s oh,
3: with like yes. Ringo oh yes
1: um the grudge the grudge mm-hmm. that shit scared that that was the scariest thing I've ever watched those those movies
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I think because it it wasn't something I
3: was used to. I think it's because for the most part in those movies, it's not you're not watching gore. You're not watching like a person like mm-hmm. do harm to another person, which is like a lot of what Western horror is, especially you know their genres, but you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like the uh, the Japanese idea of horror is something that isn't tangible that you can't see
1: or supernatural, yeah, or it's like spiritual. something that
3: like is very spiritual or like yeah, which is like that stuff is like stuff that might not be scary in like visually, but like will stay in your brain for later, <laughs> and when you're at home mm-hmm. alone in the dark and you hear something, you're like, "Fuck, man, Jiwan's mm-hmm. coming to come in and get me." Mm-hmm. One missed call, one missed call. Um, um, uh, I really like that one. And, uh, there's a couple hor like Japanese horror movies that I loved, um, called like the wishing stairs, um, February 14th. Um, uh, I, I went into a really big, like Japanese horror phase where I torrented a whole bunch of, uh, mm. Japanese horror movies. Um,
1: Tattoo of the Iron Man. That, would that be one for you?
3: No, not not, not for me. Yeah,
0: personally,
3: uh, I love
0: I love that movie, but I wouldn't say it's a horror movie. Yeah, I, think yeah, I guess it's it, I guess it is. It, it would be because it, it's
1: shocking and, and yeah, uh, and you know, and mm-hmm. and perhaps just in someone else's eyes, that mechanical element, that industrial element,
2: mm-hmm.
1: that you know, like, very claustrophobic feel, mm-hmm.
2: could
1: yeah. scare someone.
0: You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I I I do understand what you mean, and it is it is a movie that like provokes an unsettling atmosphere in the way mm-hmm. that we're describing. Like that is what horror movies are. Are you know we think that horror as a genre should be should be standardized as. I guess I I don't really have a good argument for why I would say Tetsuo the Iron Man is not a horror movie along those lines. But, in my brain, I really categorize that more as as like an art film that I do mm-hmm. like a horror movie or something like that and maybe maybe it can be both simultaneously maybe i'm I'm thinking too rigidly here and in a lot of ways, you know there there are many movies of of a similar ilk um you know like the man behind the sun, you know like mm-hmm. might be a horror movie but i think of that more as an art type of thing
3: i kind of feel like um a lot of hirashi hino's work is classified as horror but also in that more like art house style where there's like a a very distinct like representation of images
0: yeah okay you know i guess i'm used to what maybe this is the the you know a a Unintuitive way of thinking about it, but I'm I'm used to thinking of the more gory and un- unsettling something is, the more artistic it must be. <laughs> you know, like, truly, this is fine art. You know, it's
3: like—is this a B movie and they they used uh, all the special effects that they they knew how? That makes it art.
2: Hmm.
1: Well, have you guys heard of um, Lovecraft's country? I think we talked about this last night, Amelia. Mm. It's an HBO series. I've heard about it. Based on a novel. It's not Mor- I think Morgan's watching it. I think okay. That's how I heard about it. And there's a lot there's a lot more TV now that's uh, that has is aimed towards out a black audience or has more casting like specifically I think us and get out mm-hmm. kind of spurred that or you know
3: was the catalyst?
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. And now that, and now that the the studios know that it's profitable, we have this, you know, on TV the same things happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Lovecraft Country is, I think, a perfect jumping point from Get Out and and, and us, and, and what horror is to African Americans in the U.S., the United States, and mm-hmm. that as a t- different type of horror. All in it, I think that could be a whole genre in it, and in, in in and of itself, mm-hmm. you know.
2: Mm-hmm absolutely
1: um, you know what what one group of people experience on a daily can be considered horror and you don't really see that as much we had like tales from the crypt
2: mm-hmm. i think
1: that was a, the only example i can think of growing up that was one of the scariest <laughs> one of the scariest things i watched as a kid
2: wow
1: uh and even just was it tales tales from the tales from the hood and tales from the crypt they're just more <laughs> or less the same thing
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> But the ones, you know, aimed at a different <laughs> audience.
3: Yeah. You know what was the scariest thing I watched as a kid?
0: Hmm.
3: America's Most Wanted.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah, I remember us talking about this. <laughs> mm. So I'm Jeff, I'm I'm curious <clears throat> about your your thoughts of um the genre of horror you know horror movies as applied to you know black americans which i agree is uh has every possibility of becoming a new fully fledged genre of, of film um and i think that would be really great and i'm i'm you know i'm ready for it you know i want to check it out but as we as we say that i'm kind of curious what you think the effect would have been if get out And us were cast with you know kind of standard white cast rather than black actors and black families. And I get that Get Out doesn't really make sense beyond the the kind of um, racial context presented in the movie. Like I don't think you could make Mm -hmm. Get Out with all white people and have that really make sense. Like yeah, you could have like really athletic white people, but it really doesn't have the same cultural connotation. Um, But us. Could feasibly be done by you know with all white people. Do mm. we think that that loses effect or loses theme in in that movie? If it were if it were all white people, or just is you know the the black cast central to understanding us?
1: Uh, it's not as important, but I think it's it's still. It's mm, a good question. I got I got to think a little bit harder about the plot in that movie, you know.
0: And are do we think there's any other like horror mm. movies that immediately leap to mind that if we were to, I guess, start swapping out the cast, <clears throat> like if we did, I don't know, like Friday the Thirteenth with all black characters. Would would that make Friday the 13th a categorically different movie? Would it provoke a different feeling in us?
2: Hmm.
0: Probably, but I think the
1: horror genre as a whole resonates with African Americans because of the daily horror. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's not relevant if those movies were switched. I don't want to be a spokesperson for (laughs)
0: <laughs> oh well, yeah, that's, that's fair. I don't, for, I don't really need to put you. Community. Yeah, I don't. I, uh, I'm more curious in your own personal feelings rather than the,
1: the yeah. feelings
0: of Black Americans in general. But I, I really I, haven't
1: uh, I haven't thought too deeply about that element. But I think because I've been watching Lovecraft Country, that hmm. i I've actually started to think about these things. There's actually a really good companion podcast that goes along with it, hmm. and they talk about a lot of the themes in the show. And give you more context to why they're there,, mm-hmm. but, yeah, I think it's important just just in general to have representation throughout yes. all mediums, you know, mm-hmm. I agree, and I think we're learning that it's just taking us a while, so i I have too long I have a, a
0: good anecdote about that, um which was really the first time that I appreciated the power and the value of representation and visibility. And this is, you know, like up to this point in my life, like, of course I, you know, like tacitly understood that these things are important, but I I couldn't really demonstrate to you in a practical sense why I just, you know, like we're told that they are and like, yeah, okay. Intuitively it all makes sense. Um, Mm. But this really came into play in my life um, in 2014 when I was on tour with um, this, it was a large tour, it was two American bands and a band from Mexico and a, a band from Japan. And it was after our gig in Philly, it was like two or three in the morning and we all went to McDonald's because it was the only thing open nearby um, to get food. And we went in there and it's like, you know, just, just like, handful of of uh, you know black people in there and the two japanese are like they're kind of fidgeting and they seem really nervous and i was like you know what what's up guys like are you guys doing okay and they're like uh yeah we're just kind of freaked out because there's so many black people here and i was like whoa really like That's kind of awkward in my opinion like it why why would you feel that way that's so weird and the mexican Mm. guys were like oh actually we feel kind of on edge too and i was like you guys are from mexico city it's one of the more dangerous places in the world i I cannot fathom how you could perceive this situation as the least bit threatening compared to what you Mm. undergo on your home turf in mexico and the mexican guys were like yeah but The only thing we know, like we don't really have black people in Mexico in this way. The only thing we know about black people is what we see in American movies and and media and the news, which is that all black people are you know they're they're thugs they're they're you know criminals they're all gonna gonna you know rob us and and Mm -hmm. hurt us and whatnot so like that's that's the only experience we ever have with with black people is what you guys show us and that's all you ever show us and then it really like i had never thought about it like that before and it really dawned on me like damn you know like you know we grow you know being in baltimore growing up in baltimore is a majority black city so i don't i don't really think anything about it right like i know that like yeah you know my neighbors the people in my life like they're just people right like and Mm -hmm. and they're not any one way or another any more than anybody else but if you yeah lived in an area where you had literally no interaction with black people and you relied entirely on media then you know that sinks in the more as you live your life and the more media you consume it, it subconsciously seep, you know sinks in and yeah just really dawned on me at at that time it was like a a switch flicked and i was like man like representation and and visibility in media is actually like incredibly important and it really is meaningful and it really does have an impact on people and and on the way they live their lives and the way they think Mm -hmm. about their lives
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that's really interesting uh i think that's just part of the whole society being racist is not always on the, someone, you know, calling someone a racist slur. It's, it's this generalization of, of a, you know, stereotypes and things like that of, of, a, of quote unquote, a race,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it's institutionalized. And as, I think that's that's a shame, but I, I, I guess, um, you know, where, <laughs> Where do we grow I guess you know how do we grow from that from getting out of that mindset yeah especially from other from other countries other uh, the idea of what how they perceive us you know yeah, mm-hmm. and Americans in general
0: <laughs> yeah but i I do think that the uh, from my from my own perspective i feel like we make progress when movies like get out and us see you know mainstream success and see commercial success and critical success mm-hmm. that you know the doors become you know increasingly opened for a wider variety of voices and a wider variety of stories to be told and I'm, I'm personally, I'm, I'm quite anxious to, to see these kinds of stories, you know, cause I, hmm. I want to better understand the world around me. I want to know, you know, like more about, uh, other lives and experiences beyond just my own, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm quite keen on all this stuff and I, I think, yeah, right now it's just a handful of movies, you know, like, but it, you know, that's how it starts, right? It starts with get out. It starts with crazy rich Asians and then 10 years from mm. now, like uh, hopefully more people will, um, you know, believe that, that it's possible to make these kinds of movies and, and biz- more business will feel like it's profitable to make these kinds of movies. And suddenly the the world of media and art becomes that much more rich and interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm.
1: That's the power of art, right? Power of music, art, mm-hmm. film. The power Um, of anime, power of anime. I would, well, yeah. I mean, that's and and I think we've learned as anime fans specifically. I think this is a good example of us being more open minded to Asian art and ideas and religion. Maybe Mm -hmm. even Mm -hmm. it kind of gives us a new window, Mm -hmm. perspective to look through. Um.
3: So
0: damn, what's your favorite horror anime though? <laughs> uh yeah, to be honest, I'm I'm not I don't think of myself as being much of a horror guy in general. I, mm-hmm. I would not that is not a ranking genre for me, and I'm I'm not really that interested in horror as a as an idea. Um if I had to choose a favorite horror movie or horror anime, um I don't know. Does Wicked City count? Like, I, I, I think so. Yeah,
3: I feel like that counts.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
3: I I like Wicked City.
0: I don't. I don't really. I can't. I saw. I saw um, Higurashi. You know, in college, mm-hmm. and I thought that was really good. But
2: mm-hmm.
0: and there was that that other one. Um, I think I mentioned on the Discord at one point. Shin Shin uh, Shiki about vampires. Mm, I I thought that was all right, Mm, but mm. in general, I I don't really like seek out or anime or horror movies at all. And, um, yeah, I I think if they cross my path, it's mostly for other reasons.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah. You've ever fan of Helsing? Uh, you know, I, I think I might've watched the bad Helsing, not the good one. I don't remember exactly. It's been a long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Holsting's fine, but it it didn't really do much for me.
1: I think as a genre, though, it doesn't. There really isn't a huge. It doesn't go back that far when I think of classic anime. You know, because most of the stuff that was coming out in pre two thousands was. Or even say '90s, it was sci-fi stuff.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So there wasn't a genre, a horror genre, to really build
0: upon, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, what about uh, the Legend of the Overfiend? Does that count as horror? If that's if that counts as horror, then that's definitely my number one.
3: Oh, I don't think I've seen that.
1: Yeah, I would, I would, I would say it was, it's horror, in my opinion.
0: That's my number one. Yeah, it's cool. People Wish- exploding and you know, demon <laughs> penises and you know, the whole nine yards, you know, the <laughs> little demons that every time they make somebody orgasm, that person explodes into a giant, you know, mess of guts and blood. It's like, oh wow, cool orgasm, you know. And that was in the eighties, right? That was an eighties anime, I believe.
1: Mm, could be. Should we should we do a should we review that? That
0: would be interesting. I'm down. I would do that for sure.
1: <laughs> i would watch it
3: for sure. My favorite has got to be Perfect Blue. We already know this. I talked about that in the Perfect Blue episode. Mm. But um other Higurashi is up there. Um my like generally when I watch horror, my favorite like kind of horror is like psychological but also like slashers like i super love mm. slashers that's like my favorite um mm. and i feel like higurashi brings in like that slasher vibe like really well like building tension and building like uh atmosphere and uh stuff like that so higurashi is definitely up there for me um and then nobody ever talks about it but like hell girl
0: oh it's mm. not even on my radar
3: if you guys have seen, yeah. So Hell Girl is basically, um, and the reason why I like this one is because it's got, like, it's it's got this element of, um, like, rumor, like, internet rumor. So, like, the whole premise is this girl is um, you go to a website at a specific uh, time and day, and you type in the name of the person that you want to go to Hell, and then uh, the the um hell girl will come and like take her to hell take the uh, person to hell boom. so oh, it's, yeah. and it the website only appears if you have an extreme like dislike or like an extreme need for this person to be out of your life or like if you feel so strongly that this person needs to go to hell that's the only time that the website will like appear um and um i i feel like It is a little like it's definitely like an episodic show. Each episode is like uh, another person's count um, of like something bad happening to them, like abuse or like, you know, whatever. And Mm. um, then they have then they get Enma to bury them to hell. Mm. And um, so I kind of get like why it might not be on a lot of people's radars. Kind of like, I don't know watching power rangers (laughs) there's no like overarching plot but um that one i i really enjoyed just because of the like internet rumor thing
0: i'm gonna jot it down i'll watch it eventually
3: yeah i think it has like four seasons and uh one of this the newest season came out i think last year or the year before okay
1: okay okay studio Mm -hmm. dean
3: uh yeah Studio Dean did it. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, if you're listening, don't don't watch it. You might not like it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> is, he a,
1: is he a hater he of uh Studio is, Dean?
3: He, he, has feels. he has feelings. He oh, has
1: feelings about it. <laughs> okay. Good to know. I, well, it makes me jump into Hellboy or uh, Hellboy, oh my God.
3: What are you talking yeah. about, Hellboy? Devil Man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> ah! Double Man, Crybabies. Now that we're talking about favorites, I think that's that's probably one of my favorites. That, yeah, not
0: my does that does that qualify as a horror?
2: The
3: rave scene does. I feel like.
0: Uh, I guess one. It's demonic. Once again, it,
1: it it just it feels
0: is, artistic to me. Yeah, <laughs> it just goes back. This goes back to
1: the to the whole just defining yeah. what the genre is. I mean, yeah.
3: like. It's like it I feel like it's up it's kind of like parasite. There's like, you know, there's like that I don't know.
0: Blood and guts I mean, is only so horrific, you know?
1: If you compare it to Kobayashi's Dragon Maid. Okay. We're
3: comparing you know, Devilman Man Crybaby to Kobayashi's <laughs> Dragon Maid now.
0: Well yeah, <laughs> I would I it. would say Devilman Man Crybaby is a quite a bit more horrific than
1: Kobayashi's
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Dragon Maid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know, if you
1: have two ends of a spectrum and Kobayashi's on one, <laughs> Devil Man is I would I would think it's on the other side. <laughs> but what do I know? I
3: love, love I
1: love that segment. I mean you compare the original Devil man, the Gonagai version. Mm. That's not very scary. That's true. More like an action mm-hmm. type Anti-hero type story. Mm-hmm. I also think horror can be comedic too.
3: Oh yeah, like every zombie movie ever. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
1: yeah. I, I think horror doesn't have to be so serious, and uh, you know, doesn't the, the tone tonally it doesn't have to be realistic or?
3: Yeah, I guess like you know. when I think of horror, I think of like what scares me or like what um mm. like what i fear and if it's something if i'm watching something and i'm not scared about it i feel mm-hmm. like may, that's where my like where i draw the line because like you could art like you could argue that high school of the dead is horror because it's about zombies you know it's a zombie mm-hmm. anime but mm. it's very comedic and it's not like it's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like, um, what am I trying to say? Um, I don't get scared watching it, you know, but it is about something that is could, that is scary, you know?
2: Yeah.
0: And when you say it like that, this is, this is why I do not really care for horror type stuff as a genre because i don't really like i don't like to be scared i'm easily i'm easily scared i'm extremely easily startled i like get so sucked into tv and in media and stuff like it's also like you know i why i'm always crying at any given you know tv show or whatever i get like so sucked into it and it's the same. same with horror movies and stuff i get so sucked into it and like every little thing scares the shit out of me and i'll get like so sucked into the mood and same. it's just like yeah this is too much you know it's,
3: but i really like that feeling
0: yeah that's fair you
3: know it's so funny we were watching hocus pocus last night and i've seen hocus pocus so many times but then when 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 thor birch is crying about binks being dead for the last time and he might not come back i'm like oh my god i'm getting so teary-eyed over here don't look at me
2: (laughs) Uh Uh (laughs) thanks for lighting the candle Sorry, Emily. I had to wait 300 years for a virgin to light a candle.
1: Even though you know I the know. outcome. Yes,
3: I know. I know what's happening. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it a million times. But I'm like... <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
3: But yeah, I, I, I like being scared. Also, I feel like um, if I can learn anything from horror it's probably how to get out of certain situations (laughs) so i'm very keen to see every single possible situation that i might be put into in my life and how to get out of it
0: (laughs) yeah i I learned that you don't have to run the fastest you just have to run faster than the guy next to
3: you yes yes You know, I've learned you don't stab downwards, you stab upwards if you're trying to kill someone. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Because your, for, your force doesn't, when you're hitting downwards, you you don't put, have enough force behind it. But if you just go upwards, it's quicker and uh, you can just put all your force behind it.
1: That's right. Makes sense. Because like you're the, using the weight of the person yeah, mm-hmm. as the drive of the knife. Mm-hmm. Does that work for throwing punches too?
3: Uh, pr- pr- uh oh it depends what like fighting style I feel like you're going for yeah, no.
0: word Karate
3: is all like bah, bah, bah,
0: yeah,
3: right from the sides
0: interesting never knew that about stabbing somebody I'll keep that yeah. in mind
3: yeah good good uh information for later, you know, just in case <laughs> <laughs>
0: special nugget of information that will help me later.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: I sleep with a knife next to my bed. Really?
1: Yeah. Wow. Interesting.
3: <laughs> How big is it? That's the question. It's
1: not very big. Oh. Yeah. Uh, which reminds me, I, I was taking a nap yesterday. <laughs> oh.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I need to upgrade.
1: I need a machete. <laughs> Yeah, so, I, was, I, I woke up from a nap yesterday, uh, startled because someone knocked the router off the countertop hmm. and they screamed. And I was, you know, falling asleep. And then I woke up. I was like, oh shit, someone's <laughs> in the house. So I grabbed my knife and I go out, you know, I go out to the living room and it's just Kara. She just knocked a. Just knocked it off. The yeah, computer. as you we
0: were saying this, I was like, <laughs> someone is Kara? Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, basically. it was me. I broke in the house and knocked uh, yeah. over the router so Jeffrey could now play any Xbox games.
1: <laughs> I was downloading the uh 40
0: gig war, uh, Warzone update. <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about your knife habits, Jeff. Uh, what, what prompted you to start sleeping with a knife right next to you? You know, I don't know, because before this place, I lived with
1: four other roommates, Hmm. and there was always somebody home, and for whatever reason, when I moved into this place, it's one level, we're on the top floor, which you think would be more secure, but I just had this fear. I guess, you know, going into what scares you and what what you have the fear of, it's like someone breaking into my house. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I guess I've always had that fear, even Mm -hmm. as a kid.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I guess, you know, I don't have a gun, so I'm not gonna, the knife is the next best thing, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: That's interesting that, um, you bring it up. We should all say what we're, what we're afraid of. What scares us. Mm. Anything else, Jeff? What else scares you?
1: Um, fire or this, I guess the fear of being trapped in a house or in a, a space mm-hmm. where I couldn't get out of a, of a fire. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was scared. I used to be very scared of spiders. I used to have a, oh, a phobia yeah. Are of Are we spiders. like the same
3: person? Yeah. That's so weird.
0: <laughs> yeah. Bugs, bugs and spiders.
1: I
3: have yeah, stories. Can't deal with that shit. Yeah. So when I was little, um, uh, my dad thought it was super funny to tell me that spiders have so many eyes so that they could see when you kill their babies and they could come back mm. and attack you in the middle of the night. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a funny story to tell me. So afraid it of spiders. Um, it. Another, another thing that happened, uh, you know, my dad being my dad, we were, he was like, probably tickle chasing me around the house or something. And, um, I had a black lab when we were little and, mm. uh, I was like running into my room and it was at nighttime. So it was like, and I didn't have any lights on in my room and I was running into my room to close the door so that he couldn't tickle me anymore. And my dog was in the room and I don't think my dad knew that, but, um, I closed the door and my dad like held the knob. So I like, couldn't get out because like he's whatever. And, um, I didn't know my dog was in there. So then my dog like tries like jumps up and like attacks me. Cause he's like thinking that we're all playing. And I had absolutely no idea that my dog was there and it scared the shit out of me. And ever since that moment, I've been like deathly afraid of the dark. So like mm. whenever I'm at home, all of the lights are on every single light mm. is on. I cannot have, I cannot not be able to see into a room. <laughs> like, Oh
2: yeah.
0: I feel that.
3: Yeah. So I'm super afraid of the dark. Um, and home invasion is like my next top, like, oh my gosh, I think about that all the time. (laughs) And I'm like, Mm. I, I don't know. I just like, that's like the Mm. one thing I'm like, I hope I never have to deal with that. I don't know if I could like stay in the same place, you know,
0: we had a, a weird situation akin to home invasion, uh, two weeks ago here at the apartment. Well, some random ass guy just came in and sat. so my apartment building is four apartments, right? There's mine and one across the hall and then two above us. Mm -hmm. And there's like a little stairway, you know, one flight of stairs and another flight of stairs. And you're up to the second floor where the other two apartments are. And some random ass guy, I guess, had just let himself into our apartment building was just chilling in the middle of the stairway, just like relaxing, you know. Mm. And I found out about this because my neighbor uh, my upstairs neighbor came and um I had just got back from the gym I was sitting in my car doing some Baltimore style like you just sit in your car you mm-hmm. know when and decompress you know <laughs> what I mean yeah. I feel like everybody does that in Baltimore
2: <laughs> um, yeah
0: so I'm just sitting in my car you know just fiddling on my phone and listening to music and decompressing and she came and knocked on my window and was like hey don't you know I, I know you just got back from the gym don't don't um go in the front because there's just some man on the stairway. I don't know who he is. You know, it's, it's freaking me out. You know, like I I don't have my gun with me. I don't know what to do. And I was like, damn. Okay. Like, yeah. let's, uh, so sure. Thanks for letting me know. Like, let's, let's, you know, walk in the back and, you know, I'll, uh, yeah, I'll I'll try to take care of this in, in, you know, what do you, what do you want to do? Do you want to call the police? Do you want me to go say something? Should we just try to wait it out? And she was like, yeah, I think we should call the police because, you know, there's no, no telling what's going to happen. And I was like, do you want me to call the police? Because I'm the only white person in the vicinity. And she mm-hmm. was like, oh, yeah, actually, I'd appreciate it if if you wouldn't mind. And I was like, all right, so uh, I'm going to go talk to this guy and try to, you know, do something about this. And if it comes to it, I'll I'll call the police um, for us. So I went and grabbed one of the guys in the apartment next door, one of the the quote-unquote college kids, um, as we call them, although I'm not convinced that any of them are actually in college. Um, but I grabbed one of them, and then we, we just kind of rolled up on this guy, and we're like uh, – are you looking for someone or like why are you in our building and he was just like yeah kind of head propped up just lounging on the ground fiddling <laughs> on a smartphone like no nah, i'm just i'm just warming up but i'll, I'll be out of here i'll be out of here in a minute or two and i was like all right well you know just take 15 minutes to warm up and and then you can just let yourself out and he was like yeah yeah okay that's fine and uh yeah like 20 minutes later i popped my head out and he was gone. I just locked the door behind him and that was it. (laughs) Um, So I wound up going okay. Um, But also, yeah, like for having this like uh, relatively, for having this extremely mild interaction with this guy on the stairwell, also, you know, like I was kind of excitedly like talking to the the guy that I grabbed from next door. Like, well, you know, I know that wasn't a big deal, but I'm just like, it goes so much easier when when you got somebody with you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, uh, when there's two of you, that's a very different situation than when it's just one of you. He was mm-hmm. pretty understanding of that. Um, yeah.
3: And I don't want to die.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the fear of
1: death. Yeah, that's the yeah.
3: one I think about every day.
1: <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Yeah, I think that's the most innate fear that humans have you know mm-hmm. i think some more uh, okay. than others uh, i feel I like th-
0: i'm way more scared of disfigurement or you know like dismemberment mm. than i am of death per se like death you know death death is a broad idea you know you can die quick mm. and easy and it's not such a big deal what if the you got your arm, arm cut off man yeah the suffering like <laughs> what if you got you got your leg cut off you know you're not exactly going to die from that but mm. you know how terrible
1: yeah slow slow agonizing death is like drowning, right? Like that's. I heard that's though. Yeah.
3: That's beautiful. No, no, no. Because like you're. What? Stop, y'all! Stop. I'm gonna explain myself. No, I,
0: but yeah, sorry, but I, I know, I know what you mean actually, because I've read the same thing that it, it yeah. is like, yeah, you know, because your brain, oxygen deprivation. Yes. Is, yeah.
3: <laughs> you, because your uh, your body dies before your brain does, so then you get to you know beautiful and floating
1: in the water mm, yeah i guess if you're not panicking and
3: it's like euphoria it's apparently euphoric
0: yeah okay
3: i would hate to be burned alive oh my god mm.
2: yeah.
3: oh oh i see fire and yeah like, i want to be as far away from you as possible <laughs> please
1: yeah there's a scene in in lovecraft country uh not just it doesn't really spoil anything, but there's a scene where two characters in, are in a house, and there's a lynch mob outside. Hmm. Um, this is in um, during the uh, Tulsa Massacre, and uh, so the family's upstairs, and you know that the house is going to burn down. The main character knows the house is going to burn down. And but that one one of the one of the characters has a protection spell and the other one doesn't. And the one that doesn't have the protection spell, uh, you know, is in the house, the house starts to starts to go up in flames and she catches on fire and she has to watch the other character has to watch her burn. And like that scene, to me, it, the way it played out was just very horrific. Yeah. Yeah. Can you imagine though, like having to like watch someone die and you were able to survive? Whoa. That could be a whole fear in itself. Yeah.
3: Like
1: guilt. Survivor's guilt. Yeah. Survivor's guilt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As a kid, everything I thought I was gonna die all the time. Like <laughs> I'd be, we would take the bus, you know, from, from Baltimore to New York City to see family. And I would think of all the ways that the bus could be destroyed. Oh my gosh. Wow.
0: <laughs> Interesting.
3: Literally every, before I think about like, if I'm thinking about going somewhere, like driving, I'm like, damn, I got to pay attention because, you know, I don't want to rear end anyone. I don't get in an accident. What happens if like this happens? And then I hit this person and then blow. And then like, I get in the car and like, obviously I'm like I'm a great driver. And I'm like, I'm good, but like <laughs> I always, I always have to predict all the craziest things in my head before I even get mm. behind the wheel. Mm. That freaks me out. <laughs> that same, that same kind of thing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I still feel the invincibility of youth over here. These <laughs> things never factor into my mind whatsoever. Uh. I get way more terrified of social interaction than I do of like any amount of bodily harm or. You know, risk of whatever life-threatening really? things. These things mm. don't don't impact me whatsoever.
3: I feel like you're a pretty social person, though.
0: Hmm. Yeah, but in other ways, I, like, can't... Well, I guess further into my adult life, I've learned how to actually, like, ask somebody at Barnes & Noble's for help finding a book, which mm. is an unimaginable social interaction for me
2: throughout mm. my 20s. Mm.
0: The
1: anticipation, like that anxiety of,
0: yeah, just, just the anxiety of of uh, yeah, talking to strangers. Mm-hmm. So today we're gonna
1: spotlight some more. Well, I guess you know horror, the horror genre at its highest, at its at its peak, right? Ito Junji, the infamous mangaka um he's created tomie Uzumaki, and gyo is his most popular works mm-hmm. and he takes a bunch of different things that we're scared of i think and mm-hmm. kind of mashes them all together
2: mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. so my my experience with um junji ito Prior to this, yeah, I just read Uzumaki in Passing Along the Way, and I read Gyo in Passing Along the Way, since we were going to do an episode about him, and 90 minutes later, we're talking about him. No, I I read Uzumaki uh, piece by piece at a bookstore over a couple of weeks. I'd just go in and read some of Uzumaki, and then go, and I never actually bought it. I just read it. Then nice. um, I read Gyo at at um, our host's apartment in, in Reykjavik um, on our second European tour because um, we were just chilling, had time to kill before the gig. Our hosts were cooking. And he had Gyo on the shelf, so I just pulled that and read it um, while everyone else was napping and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I ran out last weekend and bought Tomie and, and Gyo and uh, read the two of those. Um and yeah, shit's legit. Mm-hmm.
3: So for me, um, I've, uh, uh, eh, um, I've always known about Junji Ito, but it's not something that um, I would like inherently want to read only because like I don't normally go for manga. Um, so when I saw that his work was getting an anime adaptation, um, I checked out the first episode. And it was terrible. <laughs> and so, um, for the episode I was like, hmm, let's let's read some manga, let's review some some manga, and might as well be Junji Ito because he is the quote unquote godfather of horror manga. Um so I got Uzumaki and Gyo and also Dissolving Classroom hmm. and read through those.
1: Yeah, I stumbled upon him. Randomly, in the manga buying days, like right after Tokyo Pop, I think Viz, when Tokyo Pop dissolved, I think Viz bought them, um, and they were on sale. I bought Gio and Uzumaki. They had you know the the little volumes like this. Uh, oh, you know when they were releasing them by volume. You know, I mm-hmm. actually
3: wanted to purchase them by volume. I didn't want the hardcover because mm. um, hard covers. Make me nervous. (laughs) (laughs) It's too much pressure to keep nice.
1: (laughs) Well, $10 a pop isn't bad, mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I, it wasn't something I was necessarily into. I just like the artwork, really. Mm -hmm. Because when you when when you're scrolling through all the manga and everything is schoolgirls and bright colors and stuff, you know, you get to this thing with fucking dead fish on it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and this girl with tubes coming out of her mouth.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was like, hell yeah. I want to do this. This looks fucking cool. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> this is probably around the time that I watched Tetsuo the Iron Man.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And she's like, I got to, what else is new? Like what's, what's different, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that was, yeah, it was around like 2004, 2005. And then when, my roommate, this was, I guess it was a year ago or so, my roommate came home and he was wearing this shirt. That the one that you are wearing right now? Exact same shirt. Is it, and is it
3: the shirt or did you buy yourself a version?
1: I bought my own okay, version.
3: Okay.
1: <laughs> and you were like, so a- <laughs> I stole it
3: off of his back. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: give me here!
3: <hair>. Give, me- <laughs> give me! Give me that horror shirt! Give
1: me that fucking shirt! <laughs> give me
3: that
1: shirt, man! Yeah, and and I was like, "Where'd you get that fucking shirt?" I was, I was, I was livid, man!
3: Nuts! He was nuts though, for yeah. this
1: shirt. He's like, "Yeah, I got it. You know, I went to the mall. I went to the White Marsh Mall, and I I went to the the uh, Hot Topic." Oh
3: hell yeah, that's where and, I got my Junji Ito shirt.
1: And I was like, "What? <laughs> They're selling Ito Junji shit?" <laughs> And as I, I blew, I blew my top. So I had to go there. I bought, you know, I bought at least three shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a whole collection now. Mm-hmm. Um, crunchy roll also sells them, uh, different designs. And, uh, yeah, I like re reignited my passion for this stuff. And I'm, I say I'm more of a fan now than I was previously because you can buy all this work now, mm-hmm. you know, it's all in collections. You can get, the uh, Tomie and a uh, Uzumaki, and one large volume hardback. And uh, it, makes, it makes for a nice collection. I'll just say that. Like 30 bucks a pop. Yeah. It's not awful. It's not going to blow the bank. Mm-hmm. But if you're like Dan, you can go read them at Barnes & Noble's. If you can find a Barnes & Noble's. <laughs> 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 They're going under too. Yeah. With COVID. Yeah. No, the
3: one in the harbor shut down.
1: Oh for, shit, really. That I was like mean, yeah.
3: five floors.
1: Yeah. Twenty or thirty years it's been there.
3: Yeah.
0: yeah. I remember going there when I was in elementary school. And you know, we'd go to the aquarium and then mm-hmm. eat at at the Hard Rock Cafe and pop mm-hmm. by the Barnes and Noble and I'd sit and read the graphic novels, but I never buy anything. I just sit and read it until my parents say it's time to go.
3: So what do we what do we think about? What do we think about the which one should we talk about first?
0: Oh, I thought you were going to say that something like of serious gravity, but...
2: Oh, thanks, Dan. I thought thought you were about to take (laughs) us off
0: topic for a reason of real gravity. No,
3: I didn't want us to go on a tangent of like our our time in the Inner Harbor when we were (laughs) children. (laughs) I just wanted to anecdote that it closed down. Okay. Okay, sorry.
0: (laughs) (laughs)
1: Um, Well, let's start with Tomie because that was his first... That was his outbra- his big breakout hit. Yes,
0: and I, I feel like you can tell that Tomie was the first because the art is meaningfully less developed than Gyo and Uzumaki, which is not to say mm-hmm. that it's bad, but it's mm-hmm. more like Uzumaki and Gyo are so good, and Tomie, you know, the oh, character we're design... we're busting out whatnot our Tomie is-
3: books, and I didn't read Tomie, so yeah <laughs> cool um, just, uh, can, I, can i can i look off one of you guys
0: yeah here you go yeah, <laughs> yeah. but it it's it, yeah i think the art is noticeably less developed which is not to say that it's bad but more to say that Uzumaki and gyo are so over the top good and i think the kind of framing and and kind of tempo of the storytelling mm-hmm. is not as developed in Tomie, which, again, is not because Tomie lacks in any way, but it's more that Gyo and Uzumaki are just so out-and-out out masterpieces. Um, and I I think of that real, I, I guess, the most specific way that applies, and this is something that Mr. Super Patch Wolf talks about in depth on his whole YouTube um, commentary on Junji Ito is the art of the page turn, um, and I think Tomie doesn't have the same level of kind of the the shocking page turn in the same way that Gyo and Uzumaki do, which revolve a lot around you know the last panel of a page will be our characters reacting to mm. something unseen then you turn the page and it's a full page mm-hmm. you know piece of something really horrific and out of control that you know shocks and horrifies you and Tomie doesn't have that same command of of tempo um but also yeah Tomie is fucking great in its own ways right and it's hot you know i want to I want to be, like, obsessed with a crazy demon woman and then, like, chop her up. It all seems, like, <laughs> really, like, ooh, you know, spicy.
3: Oh, my God. We we'll figured out another one of Dan's kinks.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Toby is a high school freshman at her school. Uh, and she's she has an affair with her teacher.
3: Ooh, spicy. Spicy sauce. Yeah. And he finds <laughs> <Dan> out... <laughs> <his thumbs> <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> Dan's like, uh, yes, older ladies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so she's on a field trip, right? And the teacher is just like fed up; he doesn't want anything to do with with Tumié, and he knocks her off the cliff uh, that they're uh, that they're next to, uh, I guess, their ocean side uh, shore, and she falls off, and she dies. So, so in order to hide it. The, the the murder they chop her up and they throw her in the ocean. they, they disperse her all over Japan um, but she starts to appear again uh, all over Japan um because she's able to regenerate herself um, yeah, so it's like that is just just the base basis of this
0: comic book well part part of the an important part of the twist of that first chapter. Um, mm-hmm. That I don't, I don't want to go unnoted is that she doesn't actually die from the, the fall. They just think that she's dead. They uh, she gets knocked unconscious. The the she's get she gets into an argument with her boyfriend, and the boyfriend unintentionally knocks her off the cliff, or she like stumbles and falls off the cliff. So it's a manslaughter. And they are they see what they think is this dead Tommy on the ground and the teacher is like, Alright, we gotta we gotta cover this up, you know, like we we can't you know we gotta cover this up. The only way we can do this is by dismembering her and you know, then we disperse all of her parts. But then as they start cutting her, she comes back, you know, because she was just knocked unconscious, she wasn't actually dead, so she's getting cut up, you know, like from the first cut she's like ah what are you doing you know and but at that point like the whole class like you know all the all the boys have already disrobed so they don't get blood on their clothes and they're like standing around her with saws and knives and shit and they're just like well there's no turning back you know like what are we going to be like oh we were going to dismember you and now we're not you know like we're already too invested so they just go ahead and dismember her anyway
1: yeah, I guess the horror of just being killed and dismembered as while you're alive—that
0: I think that is <laughs> that alone is terrifying. Yeah, yeah. And so all these little Tomie's spread all over Japan, and and there's not necessarily a a, a like linear plot progression or anything. It's more like Tomie okay. is a collection of short stories that all focus on the antagonist of Tomie, and her mo is to kind of magically appear in a way that she you know replaces someone or kind of steals away someone's boyfriend or um there's some unsettling way that she inserts herself into someone's daily life and she winds up getting you know kind of the male central character of the short story to be obsessed with her and then the male character kind of turns that obsession into violence and dismembers her all over again. And it's just kind of this ongoing, you know, different, different um, circumstances and, and different swappings of details. You know, we see the ongoing progression of Tomie arrives and kind of disjoints and unsettles um, and partially appropriates somebody's daily life. And then it drives everyone around her totally crazy. And then the male, you know, guy always winds up killing her all over again. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, there's definitely
0: themes of being a, a vanity,
1: right? Yeah, and jealousy, obsession. Because
2: mm-hmm.
1: she's never really she never really falls in love with anyone. All the male, yes, is, you know, all the, all the males is are just they just simply because she doesn't return reciprocate uh feelings of love, then it just drives him mad, right? Yeah.
0: Like, she's very emotionally <laughs> she's very emotionally unavailable, <laughs> which has often been my type. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'm ready I'm ready for Tomie to come and steal me away with her emotional unavailability.
1: <laughs> I think I've met people like that. Like they know, they know they're very attractive, and they kind of—you can kind of tell that they get off on that, you know. Like they—they—they they don't really have necessarily relationships or long-lasting relationships.
0: Yeah, but I, mm, every in some ways, I think that is—I mean, there's ways that that's not natural, but in other ways, I feel like everyone likes attention, you know, mm-hmm. right and. When you receive attention, it's easy to, yeah, just kind of get caught up in it, even if it's not necessarily reciprocated or even if it's not necessarily the, um, I don't know, like the attention that you want. And I, I say that even though it sounds kind of like not correct because like when you receive attention that you don't want oftentimes that's bad right like mm-hmm. that plays mm-hmm. out in a bad way it's like that is like the meaning of sexual harassment right so mm-hmm. i'm not saying that that's good but hopefully you guys understand what i'm what i'm getting at here where like you know if like your coworker has a crush on you and you maybe don't want your coworker to have a crush on you but mm-hmm. also you're like oh, oh yeah you know uh, like you, you yeah, like uh- yeah now you, I'm <laughs> shit cause i know likes it, me. exactly you Yay. have received you have received the uh the acknowledgement right you you receive this the feeling of of acknowledgement and interest and and makes you feel special right and i mm-hmm. think that's a feeling that everyone feels and you know when when you have these emotionally unavailable people you know and they just give you like Little hard, hard fought tokens of of attention, you know, and you like really like just bask in this little sliver of attention that you've received because you don't otherwise receive the attention that you're looking for from this person, and it it gets the, a feeling of like, um, I, I think it's not not, I mean, regardless of whether or not it's healthy or unhealthy, it's like easy to, in my eyes for to get kind of sucked into that kind of cycle, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and my 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 friend Kayla, who I uh, often talk to about this kind of stuff, has said that the reason that we like emotionally unavailable people is because deep down inside, it's like a sign that our subconscious believes that we are not worth being loved. So we you know feel like we deserve this poor treatment out of people, mm-hmm. um, and when we receive the more like equal or more like reciprocative kind of relationship, like emotionally available people who give us an appropriate amount of attention and emotional feedback. We feel turned off by that because we subconsciously feel like, Oh, why does this person love me or have some attachment to me because I don't deserve this. And therefore there's something wrong with this person. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So that is the psychology of it. And Yeah, I don't really think I'd. Well, on the one hand, of course, I deserve to be loved. But on the other hand, maybe I don't. And that's why I like emotionally unavailable people.
3: Dan, (laughs) you deserve to be loved.
0: Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, I kind of, I mean, yeah, I know I do. I'm a cool guy. You're a cool guy.
1: Yeah, Ito Ito says that he drew inspiration from a classmate who died in a traffic accident. Mm. And he just disappeared. And he, he wanted to, to, in order to deal with that or cope with it, he wanted to add it into his manga. Um, which is really interesting is ah, the fact that he was a. Huh? No,
3: go ahead. Sorry.
1: Just that he was a. The yeah, I thing was that he was a dental technician while he was working on this. Mm-hmm.
3: Didn't he eat and
1: once? yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I
1: mean, he was. He's always he's always drawn and and his his, his worked on his own art, but. I think like this segue, his segue is his day job as a <laughs> dental technician to pay the bills. And then he you know, has success with this one. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's interesting how he went from one career to the next.
3: Yeah. Dental, dental tech <laughs> to horror manga superstar.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, but I-, I also wanted to say, but going back to what you were saying, Dan, about the artwork, it's almost a, I, I was almost comparing it to German expressionist artwork, right? Mm-hmm. Like a film. It's very loose and like a lot of jagged shapes and edges. Mm-hmm. And it's it, kind of surreal. And I don't, I don't think, I don't know if that was intentional. I don't know if he was like rushed and his art hadn't been developed yet, but yeah, it looks very rushed and sort of half- not half ass, just very different consideration in what he and how he draws in the line weight, and the line quality. It's, and after like the first chapter, it it shifts.
3: He gets his. Growth.
0: Yeah. It gets better yeah. as it goes on. Mm. And I think Get that's, it. I think that's just, you know, an, an author finding a style and, and, mm-hmm. um, you're getting better at his craft as time goes on.
3: Also, I've heard mm. G pens are really hard to get the hang of. So, if he was actually being among, if he was actually pursuing manga um, as a career, you the standard tool is a G pen in Japan, and it's not like a dip pen, but it is like a dip pen. But it's like it's like a different beast. You have to like learn how to use it. Mm. Um, so that could also attribute to that. I know just because of you know doing illustration stuff um especially for school uh if you turn you you had to use a dip pen if you were doing any kind of illustration like with ink or anything like that you had to do dip mm. pen stuff so um that could be a reason
0: so one one other aspect of tomie that i think is important particularly important to note and i think this relates back to um Ito is is an author as a whole cuz most of Ito's body of work are short stories, you know. Like most of his his most popular works are actual like not exactly long form stories but a, a bit more plot oriented, but mm-hmm. the vast majority, you know, volume wise of his work are are one-offs. And Tomie also is that way like I was saying like there's not really an overarching plot. It's not like we you know, start at point a and wind up at point b you know it's kind of just a collection of short stories with recurring characters that don't necessarily interact with each other you know these stories don't necessarily interact with each other or play off each other and i i think that's an important part of ito's style is the idea of of not necessarily being plot or character focused, but being more atmosphere and vibe focused mm-hmm. you know more focused on the the emotion of horror and the feeling that you get from watching this the other and otherwise normal daily life being twisted around by something that is you know just a little beyond our understanding um Rather than like, yeah, something happens to this character that I relate to. Um, but simultaneous to that, you know, Ito does uh, all of these stories, you know, Gyo, Uzumaki, Tomie, all of them hinge on young people in relationships, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of the stories revolve, don't exactly revolve around these relationships but they you know the relationships are a primary factor of consideration in these stories you know whether it's Tomie stealing um, people's boyfriends or in Gyo you know the main character is you know fighting so hard to rescue his girlfriend from you know the the machine we'll talk about that later and Uzumaki as well it's all it's the guy and his girlfriend mm-hmm. surviving
2: mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm.
0: um, so Ito does seem like um very focused on people's relationships and i'm wondering if maybe that's a um because these these aren't like tropey horror it's not like he deals like you know like oh if bad things happen to little kids then people really get upset so i'm gonna have a lot of little kids it's not like that um (laughs) but it does make me wonder if you know like you know how 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 human relationships factor into ito's work yeah i i would like somebody more studied in Junji Ito to talk about that.
1: I wonder if that's why a lot of his characters are sort of generic looking. They sort of fit a lot of the main characters from story to story. Like, he was a Maki and even Tomie. I feel like they're mm-hmm. the main protagonists have a very similar
0: look.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: They're not that distinguishable from one another.
0: Yeah, he has kind of a, a- template character design Mm -hmm. in my opinion
1: but maybe because well you know I don't know if it's intentional but the idea that you can put yourself in their their shoes yeah Mm
3: -hmm. Mm self-inserting I also found that um some of the character like I thought at one point that Tomie came into Uzumaki and I was like wait (laughs) wait wait but I'm reading Uzumaki right (laughs)
1: Yeah, because when you see the artwork, it is. Uh, there are times where I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I'll see something online or I'll buy a T-shirt and I go, "What the fuck is this from? Which art? Like what <laughs> series is this?" From? Yeah, I
2: don't yeah. know. <laughs> um,
1: but yeah, I think Tomie. I don't want to rate them yet, quite yet, but let's write I, I do. Man. Yeah, yeah. Let's do that. I'm trying to think what else I want to say about it. There, the there's. One thing I don't like in horror or in like say zombie movies is this sort of wanting to desire to explain everything and to have this sort of scientific explanation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and they kind of they they kind of tackle it a little bit in this series, but they it's kind of like left behind and they they gloss over it um because she's regenerating right there's got to be a reason for this. Mm-hmm. And they do look. They, I think they end up looking at her cells or something along those lines. But she's kind of she is like a cell, like she's multiplies and she grows, and she's
2: mm-hmm.
0: sort of this uh, disease, if you will. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, <laughs> it, Ito does walk a very fine line of yeah explaining versus not explaining things, which I, I think is is a good thing and speaks to his credit. And this is something that Mr. Super Eye Patch Wolf talks about in his video, too. The idea that in so much horror, once you kind of understand, like eventually they explain the, you know, antagonizing, horrific force, and then it becomes a lot less horrific because if you understand it, you can develop strategies against it, you know, and, mm. and you can start to respond to it more appropriately. In the short stories, um, That never happens. Like Ito doesn't explain anything in any of the short stories, Mm -hmm. and in in Tomie and Gyo, he like I guess Gyo has the most explanation out of everything, um, but also like like all the all these explanations like with Tomie with Uzumaki, I guess he explains enough that it's believable, but not enough to make it plausible. Or like enough that it's plausible but not believable. You know, you get like a little scraps of information, you know, and in, in with Tomie, you know, like, yeah, there's a sequence where the hospital doctors are performing experiments and they understand that like, oh, Tomie is like this weird, you know, cellular structure and it keeps reproducing and multiplying and blah, blah, blah. Um, But yeah, like also, what the fuck is that? Like we understand science and we understand cells multiply, but why is Tomie like that? That, you know, that why is never explained. And Mm -hmm. I I think Ito does really well with creating non-trope horror that is like just a little beyond our comprehension. You know, it's things that draw from our daily lives and experiences and draw from our knowledge set. Like we all understand the spiral. We all understand fish, you know, but... It's a little bit beyond our comprehension as to like how these things have become so twisted and, and horrific in these stories. Should we jump to Gio?
2: Yeah,
3: let's jump into Gio. Yo. Yo.
0: So, Gio is the story of two young people vacationing in Okinawa, of which we have a uh, a boyfriend who is the nephew of a crazy mad scientist in tokyo and the girlfriend who has a really over the top she's ocd and she's got a uh, really particular sense of smell she's really sensitive to smells which is part of her angle of having ocd and they discover a uh, well first the girl starts smelling stuff and she cannot escape the fucking, you know, pungent stench around her. They discover that this stench is coming from a dead fish attached to some kind of robot contraption and this that with legs, and it's scurrying around real fast and propelling itself and kind of attacking them, but they can't really figure out if it's actually trying to attack them and why it's trying to attack them. And then suddenly there's more and more of these little dead fish on robot legs and then suddenly there's sharks and whales on, you know, robot legs chasing them around. And before you know it, the entirety of Japan is overrun by dead sea creatures on little robot legs that are just attacking everyone indiscriminately. And then as the uh fish start to, you know, kind of rot away, they're replaced by humans. And then all of a sudden uh humans are attached to these little robot legs and they're all attacking people and they're attacking each other and you can't really understand why and they go into some of the through the the uh mad scientist character they go through a little bit of of the um origin story of all this that this was a uh, viral weapon developed by the Japanese army in World War II um but and this viral weapon uh produces gas inside it's host and the uh, like really terrible smelling gas and it destroys their body is their you know, they, and they get killed. Um, and the army thought, okay, we can like send these, you know, disgusting gaseous things, you know, we'll infect like dogs and cats and send them into er- enemy territory to irritate people with these pungent stenches. But it didn't really work well enough because the animals died too quick. So then they developed these little machines that um, they would put these carcasses on, and the gas from the carcasses would power the machines, so they could run around and go through enemy territory, spreading their stench of death—the death stench, as they call it in in EO. And yeah, eventually we come to see that the gas and and the yeah the gas kind of has a life of its own, and the virus kind of has some degree of consciousness to it. And it really is kind of waging this large scale war on, on the human race. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's all like, yeah, very disturbing. And they feed you just (laughs) enough information to, you know, as I say, it's like, okay, like I've explained it to you. That makes sense. Right. But then also you're like, (laughs) wait, what? what? like Like, it doesn't (laughs) actually make that much sense. It makes no fucking sense. Yeah. and, and, And it's actually like, yeah, even when it's on paper, it's still like a bit of a mind fuck. And mm-hmm. yeah, it, it Yeah, it it just um there's various points in Geo you know, where things are ha- like the uh you know, for example, the mad scientist character develops a new style of machine for the corpses. And then the old, the original corpse machines start attacking the new corpse machines. But you're kind of asking yourself, like, wait, why? Like, why exactly are they are they doing this? Why are they warring amongst each other? And it hints at something more, but that something more is never fully explained to you. And I think it's that little leap from kind of understanding and believability and plausibility, that, that little leap that Ito makes to just make it... You know, like, we're not quite there. We're almost there, but we're not quite there. I think that's what really makes this stuff so horrific. What'd you think, Amelia? Did you like this one?
2: Um,
3: I actually, like, honestly didn't have any idea of what Gyo was when I started reading it. Um, but as I, as, as I was reading it, it kind of seemed like, uh, like uh, people are probably gonna get mad at me for this hot take, but it kind of seems like the Japan Sinks of the Junji Ito stories. Like it
2: Absolutely. went
3: wild. <laughs> like,
2: yeah, <laughs> it went
3: out there. Like at one point, they stumble upon a carnival of, of people <laughs> that are just like, "Yeah, yeah we we accept the, we accept the disease. We're not gonna get it." Blah blah blah. And they're just like. Using all of these like dead creatures to like perform in their circus, and I was just like, um, (laughs) like, okay, this just got unbelievable for me. (laughs) Like, I could maybe Mm -hmm. got like have gotten behind the you know, just like the death fish, like attacking and becoming conscious, but (laughs) that carnival man
1: that that was what the heck. You couldn't couldn't
0: suspend disbelief
1: on that yeah, one, could like... you?
0: Yeah, I also think the carnival is one of the weaker parts about all this. Yeah, but the Great White, like that.
3: Oh, that yes, that's
0: famous. Stuck in my brain.
2: Iconic.
1: Yeah, it's iconic. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
3: I was with it. I was with it up until that, one, that carnival. I actually, honestly, liked the um, the short story in the back. I don't know if you guys have the bigger volume. Yes. Um, the galaxy story, or no, not the galaxy story. The the fault line story. I felt like yes. th- that that one. I wish was longer
0: there are two yeah there's two short stories in the back of the hardcover the sad tale of the principal post which yes. i think is okay. classic ito style as we're talking about yes it's yeah a short story with no explanation and that's kind of the point is that there's no explanation there's literally just a dad that gets stuck under <laughs> the principal <laughs> post of the house and his family geeks the fuck out because their dad is getting crushed by the weight of the house And they're like, here, let us rescue you. And the dad's like, no, don't rescue me. I'll die supporting this house. If you take out the post, uh, then the house will collapse. I will die supporting this house. Yeah, and so he (laughs) dies. And the last frame is a corpse. The guy under the post. He still remains under the principal post. And now no one will ever know how he ended up getting underneath it. Yeah, it's short. It's only like four pages.
3: Yeah. Yeah. But I really liked that five. Five pages. Line. Um, that like weird The super... Enigma
0: of Amigara Fault.
3: Yeah. Uh like things that are like natural disasters that can turn supernatural are super interesting to me. Um and I really wish that one was like longer. I wish we I wish we got a little bit more of that. I would yeah. like to see that into a geo size kind of and like more explanation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I also think that one's really great.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And again, we have some classic Ito sense of just throwing us into a situation that is like at once understandable, but also like way beyond our understanding.
3: Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I think that's the, the, the taking it beyond our understanding is what makes his works unique, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And it's the idea that, it- the short stories is is really similar or I don't know. It just makes me think of of X-Files or Mm. Twilight Zone Mm. where you're able to, it's more impactful to have a shorter story. Like you said, Dan, that's not necessarily explained. Um, Mm -hmm. That way you can get a bunch of ideas out. You can Mm -hmm. sort of, you don't have to expand on this, you know, sort of, um exhausting plot.
3: Yeah, I do f- where, I which feel like
1: Tomie kind of falls into
3: mm.
1: as a criticism. Mm. How long is it, you know, how far does it go? Where does it end? Mm-hmm.
3: I feel like horror plots need to be very well thought out before they're told. And telling stories that necessarily aren't about long running plots, I feel like are um are like classic horror style, you know? Mm. Mm. I don't necessarily like resonate with them like i want <laughs> i want the longest story possible but um yeah,
0: yeah yo ends very open-ended in this way mm-hmm. you know it, it ends mm-hmm. with our main character just sitting next to the corpse of his girlfriend as he watches the uh yeah the oncoming wave of corpse machines mm-hmm. and he's just like well that's it you know <laughs>
3: Well, I am over.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: but back I, to that. I, it, oh, go ahead, Jeff. Sorry.
1: I just wanted to point out, back to that interview I found. Um, I'm just going to quote what he said. But basically, he was just describing what he got the inspiration for for this one. Mm-hmm. Um, he just says, when I was a child, my parents, who were of the war generation, would tell me tragic and frightening war stories. So I naturally developed a strong awareness of war as a scary thing. What's more, as a boy I was afraid of I would be drafted as a soldier when I grew up. This fear of mine naturally developed into an anti-war feeling. And I think this is reflected in my work.
0: It's fascinating that yo is a, supposed to be an anti-war thing, that's not what I get from this whatsoever. Maybe it's the whole nuclear
1: element, you know, these ships that were found on the bottom of the ocean, like, you know, this, this technology that was found is semi godzillaish If you want to stretch it, go for a stretch, Mm. you know, this war against humanity sort of thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess when you, when you say it like that, it makes me feel like the part with the mad scientists explaining how this, you know, viral weapon uh, came and and the machines came to be makes me feel like this this was an intentional like clearly this this is an intended um, theme that we're supposed to get from this that like oh war is so bad look they developed these you know real nasty weapons because of war and like you know if only there was no war there would be no nasty weapons here and so he's he's kind of um, gone out of his way to put in an explanation that most of his works don't have mm. and yeah so that makes Gio stand out a little bit and that mm-hmm. that does make a lot of sense to me uh but also that that theme is not drawn strongly enough in gyo mm. like i do not read this and get a sense that this is supposed to be commentating on the horrors of war you know like at no point do i feel like it commentates on the horrors of war <laughs> yeah, you know, my main takeaway from this is not oh, if only there was no World War II, then dead fish wouldn't be right. coming out of the ocean and, mm-hmm. and slaughtering Japan. You know. Hmm. Yeah, he's not he's not
1: political at all. I don't think he ever really crosses that line. Yeah, I don't think so either. That's probably good for the good. <laughs> I agree. Great art though, very detailed.
3: Yeah. Um, I was like, like when I was reading this, I was like, man. Y'all be y'all be getting Tomie tattoos, but there are some banger panels in here.
2: Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. And I'm just like, I why agree.
3: aren't people getting these panels tattooed? Like,
1: you some really good ones. Yeah,
3: I'm like, y'all scared. Mm-hmm. Y'all scared <laughs> to have bubbly pussy bodies on on tattooed on you. You just a pretty girl fart. with a hole in her head.
0: I already fart like this, so I'm halfway there. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: Yeah, when Ka- but Kairu being all bloated and shit, yeah, right, okay. that thing?
3: Yeah.
1: Dude, that's disgusting. It's you know That's like one is- of the most disgusting things I've seen out of his work. No,
3: the most disgusting thing <laughs> is the tube coming out of her butthole.
1: Oh, well, yeah. That is the most real. disgusting I literally, thing. I literally just passed that page.
3: Oh, my God. Every time he draws it, I'm like, the fuck, dude? <laughs>
0: I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to say, so actually what I think is the most grotesque page is page 308 where the scientist assistant tries to remove the tube from the girlfriend's mouth oh, but the girlfriend's already yes. decomposing so much. So it yes. just kind of like tears the flesh because the flesh is melded to the tube and it's decomposition. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. That's, that's gnarly, man. Yeah. really uh, gnarly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah. Literally so bad. I'm going to take pictures of you so we can post them in the discord in case people want to join and actually like look at our shit. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Show sure notes, show sure notes. <laughs> I wanna do more of that.
3: If you wanna post well. the um interview that you um were reading off of too. Okay. Um yeah, where's her butthole tube <laughs> panel? <laughs> 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 Let me post a big of some some tubular butts.
1: Has anyone
0: ever watched Human Centipede?
3: I feel like I have Ooh.
0: I, I haven't seen it, but I remember it clearly. Also, there the so there's a bit of a butthole shot on page
2: 214.
0: Oh. I don't know if that's the butthole shot.
3: But. Oh, that is, that is the butthole shot. Oh, my yeah. God.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> there's one where a fat, not the ex-girlfriend, but a fat guy gets the... Tube yeah. up the butthole
3: too. Um Fun fact about me: I'm not about butthole play. <laughs> that so that that disgusting. so that's
0: <laughs> two forty page two forty <laughs> is when the fat guy gets the tube up the butthole and it's got the shoop. Ew!
2: Effect. Ew! Stop it! Don't
3: put sound effects! <laughs> Don't put what? What page did
0: you say? Geshong two forty page two hundred forty.
3: Yeah, please the sound effects man. <laughs> like what?
1: Yeah, see, I have the I have the two volumes here, and I'm like, hmm,
3: 240. What is I that?
1: I Guess because they're all. This one's a 200 pages or 190 pages. So, so they
0: they made an anime adaptation of this. Yeah, I have not watched it. Oh, oh, but we have. We have because it was on. It was part of the panel of animes were like worst anime ever at Otakon oh, in like twenty eighteen or something. Oh, we did <laughs>
3: shit. You suck. <laughs> 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 yeah, Yo, literally. Can we just talk about real quick before we get into Uzumaki? Like people that adapt his work into either live action or anime do not do it justice whatsoever Mm -hmm. every Mm. single time. And I just like, cannot comprehend because I feel like I've seen interviews of him where he has like a say in, in like the production or like, you know, they consult with him on Mm. stuff. And I'm just like, why are you letting people like shit all over your work? Like, I don't know. Is that just me? Is that, is that a unpopular opinion? Like I just,
0: I think that's a popular opinion.
3: I just don't understand the not like, I don't know. Like maybe he doesn't have like so much of a say that I think he does, but like the movies, um, I watched like the first like 20 minutes of, um, Uzumaki because that's all that was like available online for free. Um, and I didn't have time to like order the DVD or anything, but they've Mm -hmm. also turned, uh, Tomie into a live action as well. I'm pretty sure. Um, or, you know, whatever. I forget which ones. But um, it is definitely like campy Japanese horror kind of like uh, like House or like David Lynch style like cinematography. But it's just like, it's like makes it funny for some reason. They're like, mm. it's more comedic than the than what the manga is. And I'm just like confused by the choice and same thing with like the anime adaptations. So the Junji Ito collection that, um, that dropped like last year or something, um, was just like a collection of short stories, but like the, the animation did not do the manga justice, like whatsoever I thought. And I'm just like confused at like why it keeps getting adapted into these other mediums. Poorly.
2: Yeah.
1: And they're supposed to get a Tsunami adaptation of the Uzumaki. Yeah. That I guess maybe next year will come out.
3: Yeah, I'm very curious mm. to see that. Um because uh, of how like I don't know. Like the live action, like I like and I like campy stuff like that. Like campy horror is like my thing. I love Slumber Party Massacre. That's like Campiest book. But um when it's in Japanese and it kind of like to me it's more comedic it comes off as more comedic than it does like campy or like Mm -hmm. uh, maybe with like less intent they're like oh well let's just throw this out here you know
1: yeah I think for one it's hard to animate his style
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, I don't think it translates well from one medium to another Mm
2: -hmm.
1: maybe if, if it were a movie like an hour and a half long movie, it would work better because they would have a higher production
3: mm-hmm.
1: value or
3: cost. I mean, um,
1: and
2: his- and it,
1: it, well, it's kind of like some of the stuff is so outrageous, like the circus. You would probably laugh at that. Like yeah. it's sort of it's outlandish. So yeah, yeah. like it's silly. I, I some of it maybe just is silly on purpose. Mm. And I guess ultimately the director is the one responsible for how everything is put together, the tone and, you know, the final, has a final
2: word.
3: Mm. Yeah. I'm just, why? (laughs) If someone did that to my work, I'd be like, excuse me? Could you not anymore? Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. His Because, like, the thing that I enjoy about his manga is that the the treatment of the characters and, like, the backgrounds of the panels are highly detailed. Like, this isn't just, like, big-eyed, doe-eyed anime girls, you know. These, like, these are people that uh, I could see walking down the street and be like, oh, Mm -hmm. like, that's a real person. Um, So Mm. it's, like, I don't know where that sentence went. But it (laughs) happened. Yeah, it's just super highly detailed, and I I enjoy that. And I think that um, it's a lot different than a lot of uh, manga, like popular manga today, you know?
0: Yeah, Junji Ita really has become synonymous with, with horror manga. I'm not even clear that there's other horror manga really happening, because when you think of horror manga, the conversation in a popular sense... tends to start and stop with Junji Ito.
3: Yeah, which I find kind of um, peculiar because uh, in the backs of the books, um, it says that he's influenced by um, um, Hidashi Hino, which um, I only know Hidashi Hino from the um, live-action films that he makes. um, Hmm. Mermaid in a Manhole, um, something about a baby.
0: Oh, um, yeah, um, yeah. The guinea pig series.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but... His, Fascinating. His work was manga before it was live action. So, Ooh,
0: I didn't know
2: that.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure, yeah. Let me, let me fact check myself before I wreck myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he was, yeah, yeah. So I'm looking at like um, the Red Snake and like Lullabies from Hell and Panorama of Hell. And it's like, uh, he he was a, also a horror manga artist before mm. um, Junji Ito, Hell baby, that's what it was.
2: Hell baby. Hell baby. Hmm. Hmm.
3: And I do. I, you know, a- I like find that interesting that like nobody talks about Hideshi Hino, but you know, they all I only ever usually hear like when you say horror manga, it's okay Junji Ito. I wonder, hmm. I wonder why that is.
1: Hmm. Yeah, what's what's made him more prolific than other artists? Is it is it because of Viz? publishing stuff maybe is it yeah i mean
3: availability
0: yes
1: i I don't in the anime too
3: yeah
0: yeah i I don't know how i don't know if this is correct or not but i would imagine that it really is just biz making the shit available in every barnes and noble Mm
2: -hmm. you know yeah
3: um because uh, Junji Ito made his debut in 1987. Um, but I feel like Hadashi Hino was like 80. So maybe it, it is directly affected by availability.
0: So after Gyo came Uzumaki. Yeah, I think this, this is
1: from my. Yeah, I get, I kind of get the feeling that Uzumaki is the most popular. Yes. In America, in the states, mm. because of and we're talking about the
3: tattoos, right? Yeah, Tomie and Uzumaki are the the two that I've known. Mm. Uh, I've known. I only knew about Tomie because of tattoos, honestly. Huh. Okay. Um. But. Uh, <laughs> Is someone really is someone gonna get an Uzumaki spiral tattoo? You know what I mean. <laughs> I guess there there aren't too many like iconic things from Uzumaki that you know.
0: Oh, I, I think is. the the image of the girl with the spiral in her hair. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. Those Absolutely. ones. Those that we were talking about that last night. <laughs> um, but so Uzumaki is about a um, town a village in Japan, um, that has been cursed by the spiral and, um, you know, the townspeople, uh, start being, becoming fascinated with, um, this spiral pattern and it starts with the, the main character's, um, dad, um, uh, we have Kyrie. Kyrie. Kyrie yeah. and, um, Shuichi. Shuichi. I'm literally (laughs) read. I read this like two days ago, and I don't remember their um, names. So Kirie and Shuichi are boyfriend and girlfriend, and Kirie finds um, Shuichi's dad like bent down um, in an alley looking at a a snail shell, and she tries to say hi to him, um, but he doesn't. He doesn't respond because he's so engrossed in this like snail spiral shell. Um, And she found it weird, uh, but didn't really mention anything until, you know, a day later when she's talking to Shuichi. And a couple of other things have, like, occurred um, regarding the spiral. And she's like, oh, yeah, I saw your dad. He was, like, bent down doing this weird thing. It probably wasn't him, though. Like, it's probably someone else. And um, Shuichi's like, no, my dad's gone crazy We don't know what's wrong with him. Like he, he just is fascinated with the spiral. And, um, the dad later goes over to Kyrie's house because Kyrie's dad is a, um, a potter or like does ceramics for the town and asks to make this spiral plate. And, um, you know, it's just like the art of the spiral. Like you really understand. It's like so fascinating. He's like watching him like spin, um, clay on this pottery wheel. And, uh, You know, that's where it all starts. And it just, Uzumaki, like, throughout the series, each character that you're introduced to, you kind of get their perspective on the spiral or, like, what kind of spiral um, has affected them. And it becomes a... Thing that's like ingrained in the town, like the town was built on a spiral, or like these houses are built in a spiral, um, and it come, it becomes more of like a um, like a folklore kind of situation.
1: Yeah, this is one of the only few stories that I think ends in a way that is satisfying mm-hmm. for like long form storytelling. Yeah, compared to Tomie, um, it kind of. Yeah, it's very satisfying. I don't want to give away. It's been out for a while. I guess if you guys want to spoil yes. things,
2: <laughs>
3: Dan's like, I will always spoil things. No, 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 was... no, 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 no. I'm
1: reading the books. Oh,
3: sorry, sorry, in the sorry. Of the sorry, first sorry. book, and he reads slow.
1: Yeah, at this point, why not? Okay,
3: well, yeah. <laughs> I tried. I, I tried. <laughs> I was trying not to spoil. Um, my so I literally went into Uzumaki like being like, okay, like. A spiral, really. That's that's the the kicker. That's like the thing that's super scary. Like, <laughs> um, but by the end, I was like, damn spirals is scary
2: <laughs> it made me, and it made me
3: so much more aware of like spiral patterns in everyday life yeah. and i'm like mm, uh, i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to end up like these people yeah.
0: <laughs> by the time you were yeah. done you saw a snail and the plants outside and yes. we're like ah!
2: yeah the leaves started, started. curling <laughs> uh,
0: that's the genius
1: of it all though yeah. i think that's yes mm-hmm this one particular yeah
3: so like people so um it should just start spiraling literally like people's hair starts spiraling um in the live action they really focused on this one boy who kept like like peeking out to scare Kyrie and uh um <laughs> like the town so the town was built like forever ago the s- viral curse that was put on the town was built into like the foundation. So it keeps getting like, it like wanes in and out um, of people mm. being alive and then not having the curse and living out their daily life. And then the, cur- then the curse starts all over again in a cycle and brings the town to this like brink of destruction and despair and pulls it almost into the earth.
1: Was kind of a stairway to heaven. Yeah. Or hell. hell. To hell. <laughs> It's very gradual too.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There's no way, you know, reading it, you go, "Oh, this is going to be the, this is how it's going to end." This is, there's nothing alluding, yeah, necessarily to the entire town being built on this infrastructure.
3: Yeah, the will. spiral. I think it's, uh, I think what's really cool is like the seeing the progression of each character that um, comes into the spiral situation and like how how their descent into the curse, like um, affects the people around them and affects the town as a whole. You know, it starts out with like people that are affected by this spiral curse, um, you know, eventually just like pass away. And when they're cremated, um, their body like smoke from the cremation process goes up into the atmosphere and starts to create a spiral, which like affects more people because they're, you know, breathing in, you know, the smoke or they're seeing the smoke, they're seeing the spiral. They're getting like the curse, like ingrained into their like DNA basically. Mm
2: -hmm.
3: And, um, you know, then it like progresses into like natural disaster territory, which like, I am all a fan of natural disaster stuff. I don't, I think that's like, another one of the genres that like I'm really drawn to just because like, I think natural disasters are like crazy and like unpredictable and like, and I want to know how to survive them, you know? (laughs)
2: Mm -hmm.
3: Um, But so then it gets into this natural disaster thing where like you find out that like, you can't even leave the town if you wanted to. So anytime you try and get out of the situation you're in to like, get away from the spiral curse, you're like thrown exactly back into it
1: yeah right because they they try to leave this tunnel right mm-hmm. and then eventually they end up in the exact same position as they were before right they're, yeah. they're literally just going yeah. in circles they're literally
3: going in a spiral
1: <laughs> and tsunamis
3: yeah yeah
1: destroy the uh destroy this island
3: yeah and this and it's all it all surrounds this one pond And the pond uh, is like, um, like, what does it do? It's like, it sucks up all of the like natural disasters. So like the hurricanes are coming and it's just like literally like wreaking havoc on the town and then like sucking itself into this like whirlpool into the ground. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the townspeople are trying to like um, survive because like there's just like hurricane or I guess tsunami, tsunami after tsunami after wait, tsunami Mm -hmm tsunamis are like the big waves we're talking about typhoons typhoons yeah okay yeah yeah, okay so there's like typhoon after typhoon and they're like outside people are trying to like send rescuers in to like help them and get them out and you know it turns into like a situation where the people are um where the people are just like we're we're accepting this we're accepting the curse we're gonna fly around in these things and like eat all the oh my god i forgot about the snail people yeah
1: shit i must, so i feel like this part of the of the story is a complete departure right it's sort of like post-apocalyptic
3: yeah There. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: world building mm-hmm. and it doesn't even feel like you're in tokyo anymore you're literally a isolated in this part of the region. Yeah,
3: it kind of to me it felt like what it felt like the village that he, like Higarashi is like based on, not like that it is, but I was just like, "Ooh, this is like Higarashi village. Like these people are crazy. Like weird stuff happens to them because they live in this crazy remote village." But yeah, so there's like this um there there's this kid that <laughs> turns into a snail. And then later on you see like more and more people turning into snails and they turn into mm. like emergency food. And they're like, Oh yeah, we got to keep you around <laughs> so that we can eat you later. Cause your meat's so good. And then the meat is like tainted. I feel like with the curse. And so they're eating the meat <laughs> and then like, so succumb- like, I don't know. It's cr- <laughs> It just gets survival. Wild. It just it's gets- like
1: a survival manga. Yeah. a survival show. And, and, And yeah, the idea that these, that some people develop ability to fly around as if they're, they they've evolved. Mm -hmm. I guess sort of another thing like this evolution of man because of the spiral.
3: Yeah. Well, I guess all, uh, a lot of his work has, you know, evolution of man, you know, you have the, the germ that turned into like the death stench that turned into people Mm -hmm. being part of the death stench. And then, you know, Tomie with all their regeneration and, uh, yeah, the uzumaki with the uh, people that can fly and the snail people, and
2: um, yeah,
1: another thing that they play with is time. In this, towards the end of the, the story, mm-hmm. um, you don't know how much time has passed in between uh, this uh, disaster situation
3: mm-hmm.
1: where everyone's trying to survive.
3: Yeah, when when the characters are like, "Wait, we've been out here for weeks." I was like, what?
2: <laughs> mm-hmm. In
3: my mind, it's been a day because I just turned the page from the last chapter. <laughs> but yeah, that's And insane. then you go, well,
1: maybe it's been years.
3: Yeah. And then
1: it's decades. Mm-hmm.
3: And then you're kind of like, well, how like the people bo- did the people born in the town even like no. Uh, originally. Yeah. So like if you're if you're born there, like, do you even know what the what the, the timeline that you're living in is?
1: Oh, I see what you're You know, mean.
3: you're just like, you grow up and, you know, do whatever. But, like, how long has it been?
1: Hmm. Dan, did you did you read through all this one? Uh, not in a while. The entire? Okay.
0: Is it coming back to you? I remember I remember all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't remember it in great detail. Yeah. It's got kind of a happy ending, right? Because our two main characters escape with their lives.
1: Not really. Oh. Um well they well okay. So they do they do in a way. They end up going down the spiral into the into the earth. And everyone turns to stone, essentially. Like they they everyone starts to spiral
3: and, in, into each other and around each, into other, each other. And they start to yeah. m- like meld. Body meld. Isn't that another yeah. horror movie? Hmm.
1: So there's like this world. Cavernous right, world I remember. that it yeah. exists. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, oh, it's kind of Atlantis. <laughs> Spiral Atlantis. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be like, Very imaginative.
0: Yeah, a lot of a lot of these works could be summed up with like stoner statements, you know, like with Gio. <laughs> it's like, dude, what if like the fish attacked us? You know? Or like Tomie, just like Yo, what if there was this girl that was really hot, and you like wanted to stab her? You know, and <laughs> Uzumaki it is, is. kind of the same way. Wait, like, whoa,
3: dudes! Like, dude, what, what if, if like, like spirals? Spirals <laughs> <laughs> takes a bong grip. Yeah. <laughs>
2: spirals.
0: Yeah, the fault line one is like. What if there were like holes in the ground and you fit in them?
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Bill, Bill and Ted we should just we should just do a whole series of Bill and Ted <laughs> dubbings. <laughs> this just dub, dub over the old movies Aww. and then we'll show we'll show pictures of U- Uzumaki. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Party
1: on, dude!
0: Yeah, I but I, I think the way like you know, as we comically sum these things down to stoner statements, I think that's part of the genius of of uh, Junji Ito in general, is that all of these things are like somewhat simple premises that yeah are not tropey that revolve around things we see in our everyday lives are things that we like understand how we interact with, but then there's yeah something that's just a little beyond beyond our comprehension about them that, you know, is, is what is so horrific and what makes them antagonize us. Mm. Like we all know what a fish is, but have you ever seen a fish attack you, you know, and what would that even look like? You yeah. know, this is what it looks like. Apparently.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, Uzumaki was probably my favorite out of all of them, just because it was like such a crazy descent into the madness that is of this town. Uh, you know, super linear story kind of thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I had I had read when I originally read this, I only read maybe a third of it, and um, so when I bought the the full. The full thing here, and I would read it before bed every night. Oh, and Damn. and like I, yeah, I, I would like look. F- I would look forward to it every night. I was like, I can't wait to see what happens next.
3: What you did know? you read? A chapter by chapter.
1: I would do like two chapters.
3: Oh, okay. I read it like in two days. I was like, I'm reading all of this right now, and then I would be like, I'm sleepy.
0: <laughs> yeah, it I, I didn't give you nightmares, Jeff. It's scary. Um, I don't remember having nightmares from it,
1: but I remember it affecting my mood for sure. Or mm. just like <laughs> my general, uh, mm. sense of well-being.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but maybe that's because I was reading it every night. I did the same thing with Tomie. Mm. I would sort of read it in, in small bits uh, at night. Um, much, much scarier that way. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I don't really do a whole lot of reading in general with, with horror, um, especially like novels. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So to have a visual aid, I think makes it a little bit more, maybe more enticing. Mm. But the thing about horror is that you don't really, you know, if you're, if you're creating these, coming up with these images, like let's, let's just say this was all, uh, one novel, right? No pictures, no graphics. Like, what would you, how would you imagine all this? Mm. Isn't that maybe more terrifying if you had to come up with these (laughs) visuals for this? I don't really, I can't compare it to really, you know, to anything that that's been written. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know there's people who love um, Stephen, you know, Stephen King.
3: Mm. Yeah, I, for me, um, horror is such a visual thing. That are, like, visual, like, uh, I guess, I don't know. Because, like, we're reading, you know, you're you're looking at the images, but mm-hmm. these are, like, drawn images. And I'm thinking more, like, um, more, like, lifelike, like, live action kind of stuff. Mm. Um, it kind of, like, doesn't do the same thing that, like, a horror movie would do for me. Mm. I don't really feel like it's like scary per se. Like it is, it is like about horrific things, but to me, like these kinds of like manga aren't like super scary. I don't like get nightmares from them. I'm, you know, like I can imagine what it might look like in real life, but like, unless some, like, unless someone adapts like these, <laughs> I'm looking at a panel where like, um, this person has like these like crazy pointy warts all over their foot. And I'm just like, Hmm. If I saw that in a live-action movie uh, with, like, you know, pus and blood or, like, I don't know, redness and stuff, maybe I would be more scared. Maybe it would be a little bit more impactful, but I don't know. Maybe that's just me.
1: And there's no music. You don't have music sound effects. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the building of tension is...
3: Yeah. It's Mm -hmm. like more up to you if you want to turn the next page or how fast you want to read to the next panel. And I Mm -hmm. find that when I'm reading manga, I sometimes have to read a manga twice because the first time I'm just like, let me get through this. I need to know what's happening. I need to know here's the dialogue, blah, 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 blah. blah. And I don't really necessarily stop and look at every picture and like take it in as I should. So then the second time I'm like, okay, calm your ass down, like take it slow. (laughs) But, um, so maybe that's just like how I, how I, I consume it. But,
1: but when you have a work like this, that's so detailed, you, yeah. When you, when you take your time with it and you look at every panel you go, wow, like there's so much work that's been put into this, Mm -hmm. you kind of, it kind of affects your, rate of sp- uh, reading a little bit mm-hmm. like you're saying, uh, instead of just finding out how the plot develops. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't always necessarily need the the bubbles to tell you <laughs> what's happening,
2: that's
1: true. which is a, which is a good indication of a, of a great artist. I think, mm-hmm. um, you can communicate. And anyway, that's why storyboard artists are very, um, important, not important, but, but, the fine and a good one is, I think, I believe is a lot harder to do. Mm. They're more prized, especially in live action. Mm. When I was in art school, I was horrible at storyboarding. Oh,
3: I would have been horrible at that.
1: Yeah, the idea of time in art form in that time medium, is that conceptually is a fuck to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How do you make things... How, how do you ha- how do you make something make sense, in a logical sense, and you can only if you, the only way you can can show it is visually with no words. It's very challenging. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so I guess this sort of ends our general discussion. I mean, there's there's other works. I did buy Shiver.
3: Yeah, I saw. Shiver. And this is just
1: a, it's a collection of work. Mm-hmm. They're very short stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little newer, I believe when it was published. Um, I think the artwork is just as good for the most part. Um, Storytelling's all right. Some of them are kind of silly. Um, There's one story about uh, this model. This is one, this is actually one that's been adapted in the Ito Jinji collection. Uh, The guy, this guy is looking for a model for a movie Mm -hmm. or a project. As they do. Yeah, and then she stumbles. He stumbles upon this girl with a very long face. She kind of looks like a like a shark or a fish. <laughs> and he's like, "Who like? She's disgusting. I don't. I don't want to. You know." But they only have three options, and the other two options are are it's okay. Um, but she ends up at the audition for this short film. Um. And she ends up murdering them all, as you would imagine. Mm-hmm.
3: That fish girl murdered people.
1: <laughs> yep. Yeah, she's she's terrifying. Like, why would you even give her a chance?
3: Oh, you know what? I oh, yeah. I saw I saw that episode. I saw that episode.
1: Yeah. It's pretty similar, but I the it's just like you said before, it it became kind of silly.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, look at that.
3: Yep. I mean, that not. that's like a highly detailed, like, manga, <laughs>
1: and yeah, they just like yeah.
3: shat all over it in the anime. <laughs> and I get yeah. that. That's hard to do. It's hard to animate for manga, you know, but like, man, my goodness.
1: Does this end your journeys as far as Ito Junji goes for you like, are you going to seek out more?
3: Um, I definitely want to read Tomie. That was, I wanted to read that, but also, um, I ran out of time. Um, but I definitely want to read Tomie. Um, I liked dissolving classroom. Of, that one's pretty good. It's like a short. Hmm. It's like a it's a cohesive like plot, but it's told in like short story style. Um, with a, like a conclusion. Uh, that one was good. Um, it's short. It took me like a half hour to read. Um, okay. But yeah, I think I'm definitely going to dive in more. I want I want to watch the live action movies because. Um, I need to see <laughs> I need to see it. I need to understand.
0: Yeah, I think Tomia could actually go pretty well as a live action. Movie.
1: Yeah, I agree. You don't you don't need, you don't need every story in that book to tell a, f- a fleshed out
0: film. Yeah, I don't think so either. I, and, and I think you could adapt like if you took a collection of stories, you could adapt it into a more linear protagonist-oriented um, story and plot line that would still feel effective and just kind of like draw influences from all the other stories, you mm-hmm. know? Um, yeah, I, I feel compelled to go buy Uzumaki because it seems silly to me to own Gyo and Tomie but not own Uzumaki. Yeah,
3: you know? same. I'm like, mm, I gotta go buy Tomie now. Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I gotta, so, I gotta
3: complete my book collection.
0: Yeah, so I'll go by Uzumaki at some point and read it. But uh, am I going to seek out the other more obscure um, short story collections? No, nah, probably not. Not and not not for any particular reason beyond I'm just like not really that into horror stuff anyway. So mm-hmm. there's other things mm-hmm. I'm more interested in.
3: I will say that before this, I was kind of like, okay, like, yeah, I get it. He's, you know. We love him, you know, <laughs>
2: like, we
3: all stand, but like after reading it and like uh looking at the artwork, like, we stand, okay, like he's good, yeah. okay, <laughs> like, yeah it I get up to the hype.: it. Yeah, I just don't mm. uh, uh I just do not like what they what they do with it. <laughs> like, stop adapting it, please, just let it be what it is.:
1: Yeah, what about you, Jeff? Uh, I think I'm gonna keep going.
3: <laughs> Jeff says, yeah, I, I have almost the whole collection, and I love him so."
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna be a self-proclaimed. I am a self-proclaimed fan. I'll say that, but I'm not like. I'm not gonna like fly to Japan to meet him. No, you know, sort of mm-hmm. thing.
3: What if we were all going to Japan together, and then like he just so happened to be at somewhere one day?
1: Then I would. <laughs> <laughs> There's an interview with him um, on a Crunchyroll. I can't remember the guy's name. I think he's he's Korean. He's got the long hair glasses. Yeah, and I think glasses. I've seen that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they're in this haunted house and he's just like interviewing Ito. too. Um, he just seems like a normal dude, like a dad almost. Yeah. Just like chill dad-uncle man. <laughs> dad uncle.
0: He goes downstairs to this pot and he's like...
3: Fish. <laughs> <laughs> what if they, like, attacked us? Bailey, he's like,
2: fish, Maybe <laughs> <They> weird. <laughs> yeah, weird. Right.
1: Yeah, you'd think he'd be sort of a centric dude where yeah. he's all black all the time mm-hmm. and, you know, wears sunglasses at night. <laughs> <laughs> but he's not like that. He's just, I want to, yeah, he's the kind of person you might want to sit down and talk to and hang out with. Which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to keep buying some of this stuff. Complete, complete a collection because I don't really do that too often, especially with manga. Mm-hmm. I think I stopped buying manga after my first phase of fandom, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like my, and then I just didn't care enough. But I think because it's, it does take. Well, like any other medium, any other um, physical medium takes up space mm-hmm. mm. and i was already buying anime dvds plus records so I, I don't
0: know i think yeah
3: you're like eventually, i can't take up any more physical space
0: <laughs> eventually yeah. you gotta prioritize
3: yeah i mean for mm-hmm. me um i only recently started buying a lot of manga this year um so i would definitely buy more but i like to have it in my hand i feel like the i feel like it's um it's what we should do to support the artist,
2: you know? hmm I've
1: tried reading Mungo on e-readers in my phone. I find it really challenging, especially the phone. Because mm-hmm. you, mm-hmm. you got to zoom in, and you like hold the mm-hmm. phone up to your face, and by the time you're done, you're, you got this eye strain from looking yeah. at your phone. You were looking at it for hours a, a day anyway, so.
3: Yeah. It just... The only things that I read um, on my phone are things that I'm also watching the anime of. So like when I was commuting to work, I would read to love Rue because I was reading, I was also watching to love Rue at the same time. So I would read the chapters and then watch the episode when I got home. Hmm. But it is so challenging to read on your phone.
1: Yeah. On the computer is not too bad. Um. It's actually more, it's more preferable than the phone, mm. but uh, the flipping through the pages, it's not like back in the day when, when they, when Kindle came out, right. And everyone was saying, oh, I'm not going to switch. There's no way I'm switching over to an e-reader. Uh, and yet here we are people. I think, I wonder, I wonder if more people read books from an e-reader now than to actually buy a physical book. I wonder what the sales are. Yeah.
0: I don't know, but for sure, but I wouldn't be surprised.
3: Yeah, that weirds me out because like uh, buying—I uh, don't know—buying like not physical copies of things weirds me out. Like, what, where, what, what happens if it goes away and then mm-hmm. I just like wasted my money? So I would much rather have like the physical copy of the book,
2: mm-hmm. <laughs> so I can be
3: like, that's where my money went right there. I feel <laughs> On my the shelf. same way. <laughs> but like that's—but to be fair, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna buy a video game, I'm gonna buy the the downloadable kind. So me,
1: me, I don't know. Yeah, as of 2019, apparently the physical books still outsell ebooks. Hmm.
2: Hmm.
1: But even though prices of books on the e-reader are cheaper, even the manga they usually you can get them like half half the price.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think I'm gonna read Vinland Saga next.
3: Ooh, have you <gasps> watched it?
0: Yeah, I watched it. I just I I'm tired of waiting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The next
0: Yeah, I saga. I felt I felt the same way and I also over a period of several weeks uh read the next story arc at various Barnes and Nobles around Minneapolis nice. when I had the opportunity. <laughs> um and it is absolutely fucking amazing. It's truly outstanding. Yeah, I've
3: been thinking about Vinland saga people, a people recently. People
0: uh I know people like think poorly of the next story arc because ostensibly it is very slow and people claim that it's boring they're wrong <laughs> because slow does not equal boring mm. you know it builds mm-hmm. uh very very nicely i was just thinking about
1: that at a way off topic but there's there's a new um i think i told you about this show raised by wolves
0: yes yep yep yep
1: science fiction show and very slow but it it's just so much more rewarding when you can flesh out a story, and then the payoff at the end is much greater.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah And the payoff, the payoff of the next storyline, really is uh, like the the climatic moments. Just, just absolutely shook me, man. Uh, really powerful stuff.
1: And with what you were saying about Ashitaka Joe, yeah, How slow that. I mean, that's considered to,
0: to today's standards is considered slow. I think. Yeah, I, I think it could be said that Ashita no Joe is slow, but the yeah for being slow, it does a good job of building very nuanced character relationships, and th- this is something that Jeff and I were talking about over text. The idea that you know people teach college classes about Neon Genesis Evangelion, and I think you could teach a college class about Vinland Saga or Legends of the Galactic Heroes or Berserk, because these are things that are really thematically powerful and, and dense, and you know there's a lot you can pull apart and talk about. Mm-hmm. And in that way, I think you could teach a high school class about Ashita no Joe, or like cover that in the high school literature class. And I mean that is a compliment, not that it's not up to the same standard of Berserk or something like that, but more like you know, it is thematically interesting and everything is very easily communicated and, and telegraphed. And it's really clear cut, like, you know, the nuanced frenemies relationship between Rikishi and Joe and, you know, what it says about honor and about, you know, manliness and, um, you know, how these things balance towards maturity and, you know, the uh, the kind of complex relationship between Nishi, Joe and, and their trainer You know, I I think this stuff is just as poignant and applicable and interesting than anything that I actually read in my literature classes in high school, which supposedly dealt with the same topics, but did nothing but bore me to tears and, you know, make me feel really aggravated that I had to read fucking Lord Jim and shit like that.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Can you imagine reading
1: Ito's work uh, in (laughs) middle school? Hell yeah! Like, like, all right, class. Choose a, choose a, you know, choose a graphic novel you'd like to read. <laughs>
3: Hell yeah!
1: They just choose the bloating
3: <laughs>
1: people with gas.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the bloating fart corpses. <laughs> but
1: fart. This is not what I meant,
0: <laughs> class. This is
1: not what I meant.
3: Yes, this is.
2: <laughs>
1: oh man. <laughs> all right well that is our show i think go read his work will not be
0: disappointed yeah (laughs) i give it 10 shocking page turns out of 10 lives up to the hype and then some
3: yes please yes let us know what you think Thank you guys so much for listening and being here. We super appreciate every single one of you that listens to our podcast every week. Join our Discord to continue the conversation and get notified when we upload new episodes. Or if you just want to hang out and chat about anime. The invite link should be in the description of whatever platform you're listening to this on. As well as in our link tree of our Instagram at Club. Or on our website, www.otakuhostclub.com. We also have a voicemail box set up in case you want to call in, leave us a message, ask a question, talk about anime, let us know how your day is going, and we'll play it on the next episode. The number for that is 240-324-8295. And if you like our content, it would be super awesome if you went over to Apple Podcasts and left us a review. It's super helpful for us to get the word out. And if you do, we'll read it on air. And with that, we'll see you in the next
2: episode.